1: Well, there's another day when I was reading too much and uh, all of a sudden looked up and the show starts in two minutes and I hadn't logged in yet. <laughs> I mean, I had the show all prepared. I mean, I had all the basic stuff, but uh, you still have to log in and then get things going like, oh, <laughs> this is going to be really essential. Otherwise, there'll be a lot of empty air and I don't want that to happen. So. It's Monday, which means I have had a chance to think about the show for a couple of days. And this is when I look for trends. This is when I kind of get the week set up. This is where I uh, really sort of uh, try to put things together and, and set the tone for what's going on. And uh, as, as usual, I, I try to break ground that no one else is talking about, no one else has thought of, uh, and make patterns and connections and look at things in a way that gives you insights. So, so you know, when you hear it you know, six weeks or six months later on the news, it's like, oh, action radio. They already told me all about this. So there are two stories that um, came out, uh, I think, last, the, near the end of last week. and I, Of course, I've added some more to them because there's a pattern. There's a very definite pattern of what's going on here. And the first one that I heard um, was this well, – I'm not sure which one came first. Was, I'll, I'll do them both. The, uh, the mortgage, the mortgage interest uh, payments, they're going to structure it um, based on income. And so if you have more income uh, and if you have better credit, they're going to charge you, uh, I guess, a penalty. They're, you know, they're not going to call it that. They're going to call it uh, – I don't know what they're going to call it. I've got the article, so we'll get the exact term. But anyway, you're gonna, they're going to charge you – they, you know, the government is going to charge you more money. And I'm thinking to myself, hmm, that's insane. <laughs> that's irrational. That's very Marxist of them. It's, it's uh, very communist. It's, it's basically uh, – what I've come to is this is the, the redistribution, not of wealth, but uh, – well, it's the redistribution of wealth through market pricing and market income and, or using income as the guide. So in other words, the more you make, the more they're going to charge you. And that's, that's communism because the whole point of making more money is that the the cost of goods remains the same and you can buy more goods and you can buy better goods and bigger goods and more of them and you can accumulate you know, uh, you know more things. In other words, if they charged you uh, one person a million dollars for a house and another person a hundred thousand dollars for a house, because uh, you know, the, the, the person that made more money, if you could charge that make the house more, uh, then there's no point in earning more money, which of course is the whole point of a market um, system based on income pricing as opposed to market pricing. So let's just, let's effect on this I'm going to write those two down. So that's, I, a lot of times I, I create the topic as I talk about it. And a lot, i dropping things. Hang
0: on.
1: Yep. Better let that one go. Um, but a lot of times as I talk, about things on the show I kind of create my own little system. So let's call this market pricing. I'm gonna write this down here. I'm sort of forming a theory. I'm gonna have some legislation resulting from this as I get going. Versus uh income pricing. Let's call it that income pricing. Income pricing of course is Marxist and communist and against everything we stand for, which is why the branded insurrection uh is is going to be is pushing it of course, right? Price, P-R-I-C-I-N-G. It's you try writing and talking. It's not easy, especially when you're talking about something different than what you're writing. Your kids, <laughs> brain split. Um, so that's what's going on. Oh, I hear something really funny on the, on the news today. They're talking about uh, how, how President Biden is going to run for re-election. And I'm just laughing my ass off. First of all, he's not President Biden. And secondly, you can't be re-elected until you've been elected. So let's, let's, uh, let's stop this nonsense uh, about talking about Biden's re-election. Uh, because that's not, that's absolutely not the case. And so anybody that says, you know, Biden, President Biden, the Biden administration, or now President Biden's reelection is reinforcing the coup. They are part of the coup. And that includes rhinos, Republicans, who we call transgender Democrats. Uh, that includes anybody, news people, allegedly conservative people, like on Newsmax I just heard. And so if you use the terms President Biden, Biden administration, or President Biden's re-election, then you are part of the coup. You are reinforcing the coup by the use of your language. And they talk about you know having pronouns be a threat. We need to call uh, election nouns. <laughs> you know we need to to make it just as bad to use the wrong election nouns. You know I mean if if this is if this is what the left is using and they're very successful at it too. Everybody knows about you know not using the the, the wrong pronoun. Well, let's talk about not using the wrong election term. So if you're using if you're or, or you we, we need to call you like a coup. You know, a, a reinforcer or a, a, a coup accessory. That's what you are. You're a coup accessory. I need now too long. I need something. Uh, I need mean, something. You know, you're something really short and snappy, like you're a trader fan, you know, or a trader, you know, associate. I, I'll, I'll think of something. Or if you guys could do it too, Go on the live chat. Anyway, but that's the thing. So, so Brandon cannot run for re-election because he's never elected the presidency in the first place. We all know that. And if you don't know that, then there's a mountain of evidence I can direct you to. But of course, those that are, uh, you know, election truth deniers or they're like you know, uh, Trump deniers, they, they, they don't want to look. You could show people the, the mountain of evidence, you could show all the evidence in the world, and they still wouldn't look at it because because their the, their their assumptions, their obsession uh, with with believing something that isn't true is far stronger than the evidence uh, that proves that uh, they have no idea what they're talking about. All right, a couple things going on. Um, For the show today, we've got me for the first hour. We've got uh, Jonathan Mosley in the second hour, our legal reporter, and Dorothy Diana, our our sex and sensuality reporter, in the third hour. And so this is a – Monday's really kind of cool around here. You you get, uh, you know, my – you get you get rants, politics, and sex. (laughs) What what mortgage you want for a Monday, right? So that's what we do here. All right, let me make sure. Let's just check on something here. Okay, good. Um, Nothing's on live chat yet. We'll get hopefully Marco in the Netherlands. We'll check in here pretty soon. We'll see what's happening. So. For those of you who know my Facebook page, if you go to there, it's public, Um, so anybody can go to my Facebook page, Greg Pangloss, you know, uh, there with my uh, Action Radio Citizen Legislature, big uh, emblem, and away we go. Anyway, um, if you go there, there's a video. There's a couple of videos. There's one where I'm sitting in my car, and it's at an angle. It makes me look like Jabba the Hutt. Don't watch that one. (laughs) That one's pretty bad. Um, But the other one that I made right after I visited uh, Representative Matt Gates' new office in Crestview, Florida. He's got a beautiful office. It, it has like a little rotunda in the center. It looks like a mini Capitol building. <laughs> so I mean, it's kind of funny. Or a mini White House, depending on how you look at it, because they got a round section uh, in the middle as well. But it's a beautiful office. It's uh, got some new staff, which is great. Um, I wasn't thrilled with the old staff because I don't know uh, if they were uh, sending my stuff through, my uh, my communications to to Representative Matt Gates, who I have not been able to really get in touch with unless I was there in his office, personally, for some of the various events that he's had the last, I don't know, year or so, year or two. Um, so we're going to try and so with the new folks, hopefully I'll have better access and I'll be able to get Matt back on the show. And of course, I won't call him Matt, you know, on the show, it just kind of slips out because, you know, I get, I get everybody's like first name around here. You know, Judy Mikevitz is, Dr. Judy Mikevitz is, you know, Judy. <laughs> You know, when they get Bobby Kennedy on, I'll try not to call him Bobby, but you never know. So you never know. Once you said it, it's too late. It's out there. So it's just, you know, it's radio. It's spontaneous. So I had a nice visit with, uh, with his staff, uh, deputy director and, and some of the other folks that were there. Really, really nice people, cool people. And I think, uh, I think he's got a better group now. And so that's uh, that's good news. And, uh, you yeah, know, I worked with, the, with the, the folks who were there before, but like I say, some changes have been made, and I think it's for the best. So that's a good thing. So let's see if we can get uh, Congressman Gates back on the show. Uh, you don't always call his office and say, we want you back on Action Radio. I mean, that would help. I mean, why not? You know, I mean, you can lobby people for anything. Um, so that's what that's happening. So I got a video uh, after I left the office talking about the little panorama. They've got this beautiful lake. <laughs> you know, they got this uh, gazebo on the water. You've got big ducks and, and different things. It's really pretty. Anyway, so a nice place to visit and uh, it 's pretty accessible, too. I mean, you could drop in um, the door's locked, of course, because of being a you know a Congress office, but you can knock on the door, and I guess they they, they look at you through the cameras and they go "Oh yeah Penguins. okay, yeah, okay, open the door <laughs> well i don't the, the new folks didn 't know me by side, but they will next time. Uh, hopefully, I have an appointment you know where I can talk to uh, Representative Gates you know probably up in the upstairs the high office. we can chat about legislation and see what he'll uh, he 'll take care of all right, so a couple of things. Um, we're going to talk, we'll talk about this more with Jonathan, but I want to introduce it. And that is the idea of this uh, mifepristone, the, the abortion drug, uh, and hydroxychloroquine. And so, um, you know, the, 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 the non-vice president, <laughs> those are going, non-president and non-vice president, uh, Kamala Harris, uh, whose family-owned slaves, um, made this comment that you have to have mifepristone out there because the FDA approved it 20 years ago, and therefore it deserves to be on the market. And of course, my first thought is hydroxychloroquine uh, has been approved. What for sixty years? And so, if, if that's your logic, then hydroxychloroquine has to be on the market. Of course, the difference being, meth- mifepristone causes abortions, causes death. Um, so it's, it's interesting that the FDA had to twist their, uh, their their mental gyrations to say that a drug that you know that causes death is also safe and effective. <laughs> you know, wrap your head around that if you can. All right. And the other one is the hydroxychloroquine, which saves lives, which would have saved everybody, like ninety plus percent of the people that uh, came in contact with COVID because everybody was exposed to it. Um, You know, and that was safe and effective. That actually was safe and effective and it was, it was economical. So let's add the third criteria. It would be interesting to actually add that criteria to the FDA. Not only do you have to make sure it's safe and effective, it also has to be economical. So let's, let me put that one down to another bill (laughs) FDA safe. Of course the non-vaccines are not effective or, or safe. Uh, You know, they're dangerous and deadly. Safe, effective. Bigger things to talk to Gates about. And economical. But Greg, you can't do that. I'll channel Rust. But Greg, you can't do that. You can't have the, the FDA, which is a drug agency, you know, worry about the economics. Of course I can't. What do you think is better, to pay $0.20 cents for a hydroxychloroquine pill or, or pay $3,500 for treatment of remdesivir that causes your kidneys to fail so they can throw you on a ventilator and kill you so they can make uh, one hundred fifty plus thousand dollars on your death? Well, you tell me, $150,000 for the tax money versus $0.20? Yeah. yeah, I think economics makes a, you know, makes a difference. So we'll talk about that with Jonathan. Um, but let's get down to this idea of, of income-based pricing. Of 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 the difference, between I'm going to write this. I think I've actually this is good. Market pricing versus income pricing. So if you believe in income pricing, you're a Marxist. If you believe that people should pay, you know, based on uh, on how much money they make, uh, and you're a Marxist. Uh, because uh, the, let's, let's 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 talk about the big one, the graduated income tax. Okay? the graduated income tax that we have here, which is a Marxist taxation system, is based on your income. Okay. So the graduate income tax is one of the 10 planks of the communist manifesto. Therefore, it should be an anathema to anything American. Taxes should be flat, just like prices are flat. So in other words, you know, if a movie costs uh, 10 bucks, I don't know what movies go for. I haven't been for a while. Mm-hmm. I think I, I saw a uh, Top Gun Maverick in the, in the movies just because, just because, because I knew it was going to be good. But for the most part, uh, most of the movies out are, are not worth seeing. I'll just catch it on Roku, you know, three years later. Um, but if if you had a market price for the movies, and I, I've got this in my, my many notes here. So what if they said, okay, well, what's your income? Uh, and this is where the CDB, whatever that that money system, you know, cashless cashless money, is going to be a real problem. All right. So 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 say you, you go in and you uh, your debit card also has your income on it. Ooh. So what if they called? Oh oh, there's another scary thought. So what if your debit card becomes your debit income card? Ooh. So look, I'm not, t- I'm not telling you anything they haven't already thought of. So I'm not, it's not like I'm giving away secrets here. All right. So I'm just thinking of it myself for the first time. So what if your debit card also carries your income? And so that when you go to the movies with your debit card, um, you know, this says, okay, well, your income is $50,000 a year. You know, your movie is going to cost um, 25 bucks. What? It costs $10. Now, that's only if you make, you know, 35000 or less. That's what the average income is. So for the average income or less, we're gonna, it costs 10 bucks to go to the movies. You make over 50 it's going to cost you 25 what if I make over a $1, thousand, a hundred thousand? Well, in that case, your movie ticket costs you a hundred dollars. What if I make over a million dollars? Well, then the movie ticket's going to be a thousand dollars. I mean, we have to graduate this to make it fair, right? This is this is the, this is the graduated income. Um, so in other words, it's income pricing. So all pricing is going to be based on your income. Well, how do you know my income? Well, it's on your debit cards. We, we've uh, we've merged the debit. Uh, card with your income card so that your salary, your pay, your compensation, your benefits and things like that, anything you deposit automatically goes into the income side, and therefore the debit income card is able to be read as your income as well, and that's how we can figure what to charge you. That's what they're going to say. This is is coming, all right? This is why cash is so important. Now, I haven't done a show on this this cashless stuff yet because I've been waiting. I want to see how this all develops, but this is where they're going to go with it, and I know that because there's a plan to have income-based mortgages. All right? So if you make more income or if you pay your mortgage off earlier, there's a penalty. They're going to have income-based um, electricity bills, utility bills in California. That's coming. We already have in- income-based taxation, the graduated income tax. That's a Marxist system. Um, the next one is Social Security. If you make too much money, they tax your Social Security. Well, Social Security shouldn't be taxed because it was already taxed as income. <laughs> okay, So in other words, they, they take the income from you to pay into, allegedly, your, your but it's not. It's, it's the general Social Security account. So then when you go to get your money back, they tax it again. Uh, money that's already been taxed. We, you, you shouldn't be able to tax money more than once. So the whole idea of a graduated, uh, of a Social Security tax, now there's our, there is a bill um, to get rid of that, and it should pass. Well, it depends if the geldings can get their act together in Congress. See, right now, the the, the GOP does not have, they have a technically a majority, but they really don't, because you've got about 15 to 20, um, Trader republicans that are siding with the marxist democrats um to basically kind of thwart the system and and, and uh, make problems but that's okay because this, so this is why the democrats didn't steal the house i was always wondering i thought oh, wait a minute how come democrats stole the house in 2018 and 2020 they did they stole it right they converted seven seats in california from republican wins into democrat wins by just bringing ballots after the polls closed like two weeks later so oh, we found some more ballots these count <laughs> no they don't those are fraud if they were ballots that counted, they would have been in before the polls closed on Election Day. Anything after that that shows up? No, that's what we call fraud. Um, but they did, but they got away with it because California Republicans, uh, you know, have as much courage as, I don't know. <laughs> I, I, I can't think of a good example right now of something with no courage. But uh, they're out there. Trust me, you've met them. You know, the, you know, the, the weenie guys, the metrosexuals, that have no courage, right? None. What maybe they do? I don't know. Anyway, point being that um, this is a very weak thing to do. So back to the topic at hand. So, so you've got the graduated. So they tax your Social Security uh, and they take money from people that earn too much money. Well, why should you get penalized for earning too much money? That's Marxian. once again. See how much Marxism has crept into our society. So the graduate income tax is Marxist. The Social Security tax is Marxist. I got another article that's talking about uh, Medicare. Uh, people that make more money are going to pay a higher premium for Medicare. That's Marxist. Uh, the, the entire national health care system that's been created through COVID de facto without congressional approval. That's Marxist. So we're basically converting to a Marxist country. Uh, we just need to get rid of it. And the only solution I can think of is us, quite frankly, Action Radio, writing laws that change this, taking the country back. He who controls the laws controls the country. Okay? Right now, the government controls the laws. Well, they're not supposed to. We are. We, the people, are supposed to control the laws. You show me one other mechanism anywhere in the country, or the world for that matter, that allows people to write laws that we can use effectively and lobby them and get them into the government so that we can determine the laws that we consent to live by. Go ahead. Show me one. There isn't one. We're it. That's why we're being suppressed. <laughs> That's why millions of people don't hear about us every day because they, you know, the powers that be don't want people to know that, that we can write our own laws. Are you can We're a revolution, and I'm damn proud of it. All right. So let's take the. the what else we got here now? So back to my example. So yeah. So if you, if it costs you, so if you're, if you're debit income card. Now, of course, the answer is, well, I'm just going to pay in cash. You won't know my income. Well, I'm sorry, we don't take cash anymore. What? What do you mean you don't take cash? Well, we're a cashless society. Why? Well, so we can take, check your income with your, your, your debit income card. See how it works? So I need to do more on this cashless society, but that's where we're headed. So what this is is, you know, you, they keep talking about the redistribution of wealth. I mean, that's what the graduated income tax is for. Uh, it's not really a redistribution. It's the distribution of wealth. <laughs> you know, it's not being redistributed. It, was like, it wasn't distributed in the first place. It shouldn't be. So people who make money have that money confiscated. The more they make, the more it's confiscated uh, and given, people to, given to people who don't make money. Well, as you all know, in fact, I was talking to a friend of mine uh, last night about why socialist economies fail. You know, the same reason the the pilgrims almost failed. They almost all died out. Same reason Venezuela, Cuba, Russia, China, you know, North Korea, all all these different countries, they failed for for a very simple reason, because they, they try to make everybody equal by taking from those, you know, marks, from each according to his means, in other words, what you make, to each according to their needs, in other words, what people want. Well, you'd be amazed what people want. People want guaranteed income, sit on their butts, play video games all day, eat outrageously, get obese, and uh, that's what they want. Okay, well, you can't run a society based on what people want. You've got to have competition. You, gotta have to, you have to earn money. You have to do something productive. So, so in other words, for the country to work, we can't give everybody what they want. That's, that's for selfish two-year-olds. We have to structure a society where it functions because people work, because people produce things. You know, There's competition, there, and there's rewards and incentives. You know, if you produce something really good, there's a lot of money in it. You know, I, I want to make a lot of money with action radio. I want to buy a jet. You know, so, I mean, there's, there's reasons for doing it. I mean, that's, that's the, the, the purest form of, of accumulating property. The, the incentive is a wonderful thing. Profit is, is what drives the, the, the greatest innovations, the greatest inventions. The greatest advancements in society are based on profit and individual achievement. They're not based on government. You look at any government in the world that, uh, that does, operates collectively or a corporation that operates collectively, and they have to steal ideas from, from people that, that run individually. Why do you think they come to the United States to steal ideas? You think China how – many, how many Nobel Prizes have been won in China for innovation, for poetry, for, for chemistry, for physics? They don't. Why? Because they steal all the stuff from us because they're too afraid to get outside their box and do something individual. Well, if, if you have a country that can't do anything individually, you know, then they can't produce anything. So they have to steal from those that do. Well, that's why socialism fails, right? So what happens in a socialist economy, uh, all the rich get their stuff taken, you know, and it's given to the poor folks. Well, well, well the people that were producing were the rich folks. They're the ones doing all the work. The poor folks weren't doing the work. You know, they're, they're on welfare sitting around. So they're taking. You got takers and, and you got takers and makers. Let's divide the society into takers and makers. So what you do, if you punish the makers, if you punish the workers, the people that actually produce things, I don't care whether you've got... Uh, you know, a small plumbing company or, or you're running a huge multinational corporation. You're producing, okay? Well, that's different. So if you take the producers and you take everything they make, there's no point in producing. You know, so the takers are still going to take. They don't care. So they don't care if the, if the producers produce. They just want their stuff. And the, the Democrats and other politicians, the rhinos are willing to give it to them to get elected. Well, as soon as you as soon as soon you run a society based on what, the, what the, the, the takers want, then you lose because the makers stop making. When the makers stop making, then you can't, run a society because there's no money and then it collapses. You know, Margaret Thatcher said it best, you know, socialism is great until you run out of other people's money, which is true. So as soon as the makers stop making society crumbles because the takers, they keep taking, <laughs> you know, and the makers are like, I'm not going to support these people and myself. I just want to support me and my family. All right. So if you try and run a whole society on that, that's, that will destroy America. Uh, put simply, if if we go to an income pricing system, this country will collapse under the same Marxism that every other country has collapsed under Marxism. That's why it's so dangerous, but you've got to recognize it, okay? So the graduated income tax is income taxation. It's, it's Marxist. Um, Social Security, taxing the income, taxing people who make more. I mean, once you've earned Social Security, it, doesn't, it shouldn't matter how much more money you make because it's your money. And, and your money was already taxed to create that Social Security in the first place. So they can't tax it. That's what that bill says. So you got Medicare based on income. Social Security based on income, the taxes based on income. Now they want to have mortgages based on income. Student loans, they want that based on income. And if you have a high income and you paid your loan back, you're going to get punished for it. Stupid you, you paid your loan. They want to, give, they want to pay the loans to people that don't make any money, that didn't use the college degree. The takers. So, so the whole communism is based on rewarding the takers and punishing the makers. It doesn't work. So what else have we got? So the only thing left is just general retail because everything else is moving to an income pricing system. In other words, prices based on income rather than prices based on markets. Well, that's insane. That's that's the death of the economy and the death of the country. All right, so there we go. So I think I've pretty much said that. So now let's get to the articles themselves. And yeah, pull them up, and I'll, I'll give you more details as to how bad this is. But What's interesting is what people see. That's part of the problem too. All right, so let's go to the. It's called. Uh, here we go. <laughs> Truth Press. And I won't be able to see live chat. so if anybody comes on live chat, then uh, I'll get you when I get to you, but it looks like nobody's there, so it doesn't matter. All right, truth press: Biden will rule, will redistribute, in other words, distribute high-risk loan costs to homeowners with good credit. Well, that's the wrong headline. It should be "Marxist Brandon policy illegally <laughs> will redistribute or distribute. Um, higher burdens to people who pay the bills. You know, I mean, it's crazy. Anyway, whatever the headline should be, this is what they say. A Biden administration rule. And I use that out of convenience because we all know it's the Brandon Insurrection. So let me say it properly. The Brandon Insurrection rule is set to take effect. That will so another. where's Congress? Congress, Congress, you're supposed to stop this kind of stuff. That's why we elect you. At least I think we elect you. I'm not really sure yet. The, the Brandon Insurrection rule is set to take effect that will force good credit home buyers to pay more for their mortgages to subsidize loans to higher risk borrowers. Well, that's racist, <laughs> you know, because uh, cause you know what's going to happen. They're going to take money from the white folks, you know, who make a lot of money. Uh, this is, and they're going to say that uh, black people who can't afford houses need to be subsidized by white people who are getting white privilege. And well, that's racist, but that's what's going to be. You watch. You, you know that's coming, right? You know that's coming. You know that's coming. Well, we have to. Uh, these neighborhoods have been redlined and punished all their lives for, for being black. They're going to get. Uh, they have to be subsidized. This is like reparations. This is like Civil War, you know, slavery reparations. <laughs> It's going to be – you, you watch. It's going to happen. All right, anyway. So it says that uh, What the effect, the rule – and they can't make a rule like this. They have no authority to do this. There's nothing in the Constitution that gives any branch of the federal government the ability to punish people who make more money and pay their bills. That is absolutely, blatantly, categorically unconstitutional. It is so illegal they should be arrested for even proposing it. But you can't arrest people for what they propose, which is actually a good thing. But, um, but they, they had this has no force whatsoever. And anybody that goes, it's like Roe v. Wade had no force either. But uh, you know, millions of, of, of babies were aborted, even though the Supreme Court had no authority to even make Roe v. Wade. But people went along with it. Don't know why. Can't I? I don't understand it. I, you know, I'm just one person. All right. Take it back. So the rules had to take place to force good credit home buyers to pay more for their mortgages. Think about that. Good credit paying more. So that's Marxist. That's that's taking from the makers and giving to the takers. Experts believe that borrowers with a credit score of about 680, I was correct that word experts, right, would pay around $40 per month on a $400,000 mortgage under rules from the Federal Housing Finance Agency that go into effect May 1st. That's what? A week and a bit? <laughs> Next week? Wait. Congress... <laughs> Where are you, you, you gutless wimps? Borrowers with a credit score of 680 would pay around $40 more per month on a $400,000 mortgage. Well, the first thing that all the homeowners should do is go out and ruin your credit. Screw them. Borrow, you know, Be like the federal government. Borrow things you can't afford, and then don't pay it back. <laughs> Just mess around with the system. Screw around with the debt. Oh, I'm sorry. I, uh, uh, in order to meet my obligations, you have to raise my credit limit. <laughs> well, you do it for the national debt. Why can't you do it for me? You know, Fair is fair, right? I want, I want equity. I want uh, uh, government personal equity. Let's just call it that. So it should, it's equitable that people who screw up their credit on purpose, you know, should uh, not have to pay this. Well, so there you go. So all you have to do is get your credit score below 680, and you're good. <laughs> Obviously, I'm talking insanity here, but you know, we live in an insane world where we are through the looking glass, and that's that's where we have to operate. Federal Housing Finance, who ever heard of the Federal Housing Finance Agency? Who the hell do they think they are telling people with good credit they have to pay more money? Screw you. I won't tell you what I want to say. Anyway, cost will help subsidize people with lower. Why would you want to subsidize people with lower credit ratings? That's my problem. It's their problem. They're the ones with the lower credit ratings. Let them fix it. Also looking for a mortgage. Well, if you're looking for a mortgage, then you have to qualify. Whatever happened to qualifying for a mortgage? Okay. The reason I don't own a house is they're too expensive. I can't afford one. So I don't own a house. I don't try for a loan for something just because I feel entitled to it. No. No one day this show is going to make a fortune and I'll buy a house. I'll buy a beautiful log cabin that'll be uh, rustic on the outside, modern on the inside with uh, 15 guard dogs around the place. And uh, I'll broadcast from there. No problem. Anyway, but uh, until then, (laughs) you know, I'll do it when I've got the credit to do it. Until then, no. Why? Because I'm a responsible citizen. But the people that, so in other words, they want to reward irresponsibility. They want to give money to people who can't afford the homes. They want to give homes to people who can't afford them. They want other people to pay for them. This is insanity. All right. This is how you'd lose your country. So what are you going to do about it, huh? What are you going to do? What are you going to do? Didn't I see that in a movie once? I think, um, oh, yeah. It was, way, it, was, it was a teenage film. What's your name? Uh, yeah. Anyway, uh, I forgot the name of the movie. I can think of it right now. Something about A. Something, and I forgot the the redhead star that was in it. Yeah, I'll think of it. Emma Stone. Emma Stone? Maybe. I think I'm rambling. All right. Let me do a quote here. <laughs> the changes do not make sense. Penalizing borrowers with larger down payments and credit scores will not go over well. Not go over well? This guy's a wimp. Ian Wright, senior loan officer at Bay Equity Homes. Well, first of all, you got equity in your title, so you've already lost me. <laughs> All right. tell so the Times, it overcomplicates things for consumers during a process that can already feel overwhelming with the amount of paperwork, jargon, etc. Confusing the borrower is never a good thing. So his objection to a Marxist economic income pricing of mortgages is it makes things complicated. This is news. <laughs> this, uh, this news site and this, this person are complete idiots. Let me continue on before I start throwing things. The Federal Housing Finance Agency, which oversees federally backed home mortgages, company, mortgage companies like Fannie Mae and Freddie Mac, those are government ones, has long sought to give consumers more affordable housing options. Okay, then, then uh, that, that's not the government's role. That's like that's like having the government fix prices. Well, that's, in effect, that's what they're doing. You know, the, if you want to make homes more affordable. Then get rid of the Fed, and have the Fed stop setting interest rates. That would make houses more affordable. Okay. Stop taxing people as much. Stop doing all the things that, uh, you know, stop all the regulations, some of the ridiculous regulations. Yeah, asbestos, yeah, that's a good one. Lead, yeah. Black mold, gotcha. Makes sense. I don't know what else is on homes, but there's a lot of stupid stuff on homes. Uh, that makes them more expensive. Then it says for, uh, lower taxes. Do you want to make houses more, uh, more affordable? Lower taxes so people have more money. That'll make houses more affordable. There's a lot of ways to do it without, without adopting a Marxist uh, income uh, mortgage system. Then it says, uh, for those who work in the industry believe the new rules will only serve to frustrate and confuse people. That's not an objection. That's just a, that's that's a total uh, abdication of, of any responsibility or for telling the truth. That's not what the problem is. The problem is not it makes things inconvenient. The problem is it switches us to a Marxist economy. All right, this article has already lost me. <laughs> I think I read part of this before. They're still dealing with the rules. Oh. They say, why was this done? The answer is simple. It was to try to narrow the gap in access to credit, especially for minority home buyers. See, I told you there was a racial component. I knew it was here. I knew it. I knew it. I knew it. Especially for minority home buyers who often have lower down payments and lower credit scores. Well, that's that's racist right there. Saying that minority home buyers have lower down payments and lower credit scores. So in other words, so they're pandering to minorities in order to get people who can't afford bigger houses, bigger houses. why don't you just buy the house that you can afford or do what other people do, rent, you know, get a better job, get more education, do something for yourself. If you want a bigger house, find a way to get it, earn more money. But the idea that we have to uh, divide this country by race and take certain racial groups, you know, usually people of color as opposed to people of no color, you know, and and take from people of no color who work hard, buy homes and uh, actually buy homes they can afford uh, to give to people of color who buy homes they can't afford. That's insane. And so the people of no color, in other words, me, us white folks, we're going to stop working. Why, why, why would you work if you're going to give your house away uh, and your mortgage and, and you're going to pay for somebody else to buy a house who can't afford it? You can't, in this country, you can't do that. Now, they're try and do it, but you can't. So we need someone to tell them they can't. Otherwise, they're going to. You know, what is it? The evil survives when good people do nothing? Well, don't do nothing. Do something about it. So you need to call your representatives, call your senators, you know, and say, look, <laughs> your election depends on this. You know, if if you uh, expect to come back to office, um then uh, you can't you can't have um people who with good credit subsidizing people with bad credit. Even though that happens all the time. Um, because you look at uh you know, the, the, this is what the whole savings and loan scandal was. It looks like Pianki's on the phone. Let's see what's uh, see what's going on. Good morning, sir. Income based uh Marks yeah, as, that's uh, Marxist pricing. You told me about this.
2: Yeah, that's those ideas that's coming from some members of uh, Brandon's team, probably coming from some of those BLMers. That is like Is this uh, like, repar- is this like uh, black? Don't...
1: Is this mortgage reparations? Well,
2: what, what they are? They, yeah, what they are? They just sad because people. You know, uh-huh. most blacks don't want to have anything to do with them. So what they're trying to do is coming up with a backdoor way to to force them. You know, I mean, uh-huh. it's just one angle. It may not be the total angle, but that's what I see. They're uh-huh. trying to make people force people to get involved with you. You know, they come up with slogans like "freedom ain't free" and stuff like that. Well, yeah. that's trying to get people to contribute to something mm. that they otherwise wouldn't want to. Now you're forcing them, same way Obamacare was. He lied. Mm-hmm. He
1: lied when he said it wouldn't be available for illegals. And oh, is. we all do that. <laughs> Anything the government does is, is available to illegal aliens. Otherwise, we wouldn't have illegal aliens. They come here for those benefits. Well, let me ask you a question. Um, cause this is what I'm thinking about. So what they're really focusing on, it's not that they're focusing on, on all black Americans for this, although they're going to try and say that, because there are plenty of middle-class black Americans. Well, they're going to be paying more money. <laughs> so, so you, you Especially can't say your in- athletes. Yeah. Well, anybody, any high in, any middle to high income earning black American, let's take uh, executives, lawyers, doctors, entertainers, authors, you know, sports stars, things like that. But anybody, I mean, you could be you could be uh, like a vice president or like a regional vice president and be making a six figure salary. You're going to pay more money if you got good credit. I don't care what your color is. So what they're really doing is they're trying. It's not that they want to uh, to help minorities. They want to help poor minorities get things that they can't have other ways. This is to buy votes because you don't have to buy the votes of middle-class Black Americans because they've already got their home. They've already got the money. They have the credit. They did the right thing. They got the education. They got the jobs. They work hard. They pay no. for their house. They have a credit rating over six hundred and eighty, and so you know they're, they're going to end up paying more. So you're actually going to affect well, the minority get people them too. Yeah, uh, you know okay. how? how? No, I don't.
2: Because because if you got a nice neighborhood that you live mm-hmm. in, mm-hmm. and there's development going in the development and license is going to cause your home to be assessed higher than it was the years before. So that difference between what you paid for it and what it's assessed at now is called unearned income,
0: no, unearned just, capital
2: yeah. gain. Right. And they're going to tax that, even though you haven't even sold a house. You're just sitting there. You know, usually it was that uh, the gains that you – made off of your first home was not taxed. Right. But subsequent, they would try to tax it. So it's these backdoor methods that the Democrats use, and of course you got some come-along Republicans too, but mostly Democrats.
0: Right. They
1: want to take your money. Well, you know, uh, there must be a way, and I'm not, because i never actually owned a home. (laughs) You know, I've sort of missed that experience just because of life circumstance. But, for people that own homes, why would they, you know, I had a friend of mine that sold a house um, in California and moved as many of my friends in California are moving. They're selling their homes. Um, But it's, uh, you know, the taxes are so horrible that they're, they're paying a ridiculous amount of money on the capital gains because homes in California have doubled, tripled, quadrupled. I mean, they've got depending if you have a house for 20 years, you bought a house 20 or 30 years ago in California, you, you know, you get a $150,000 house is now worth, you know, 1.5 million. <laughs> I mean, there's some ridiculous things that happen. Uh, maybe not that, that big a difference, maybe half a million to like, you know, 2 million or something like that. But houses have gone up so much. Um, but they, they tax, you know, and they're taxing every year based on the assessed value. So what we really need to do is go to a sales tax, a sales tax based on the price of the house. And that's, that'd be the one-time charge. So you don't have any, so probably we need, probably you just need to get rid of property tax the idea that you can be assessed at the increasing value of your home, or we need to tax at the home price where you bought it. Maybe correct it for inflation, and that's about it. But the, the, the assessment should only be on the cost of the price of the house when you bought it. Because then the incentive for government is to have people uh, sell their houses as rapidly as possible so they keep up with inflation and keep up with the current value. So well, I don't know how to work.
2: Sales tax, uh-huh. when well, sales tax is used to pay for things, for instance, like your your schools. Your public schools, mm-hmm. property now, tax too. In some areas,
1: huh? Property tax too. In
2: some areas, in some areas where, like in the inner cities, and that where the property is not worth more, what they want to do is tax the outline areas more, in order to make up for make <laughs> up revenue that can not be derived from property taxes in those inner city areas.
0: Right. And another so thing,
2: yeah. Mm-hmm. Some of these municipalities, like St. Louis County, have what they call drive-by assessors. They just <laughs> drive by and look, yep, look like it increased in value, and then they go on down to the next one, then the next one. Now, they do allow you to protest against that at what they call a board of equalization, where you can uh, bring forth evidence showing that their uh, assessment is way out of line. But, uh-huh. uh, all in all, it's still a it.
1: Oh, yeah. Uh, but if you're taxing, you know, this is like what they do in San Francisco, the the BART system, the the Bay Area Rapid Transit, the subway system, costs a ridiculous amount of money because everybody's making six figures. The unions are so strong. Everybody, and, of course, there's the government, so they don't care because they're just paying taxpayer money. Um, in fact, my guest last week, uh, Bianca from San Francisco, was saying that the only people who can live in San Francisco now are people who work for the city and county of San Francisco. That's the only place they can afford to pay enough money to, to do it. You know, you don't, regular people can't live there. And so it's like super rich on people that work for the government, make up the whole town. So, of course, all the government, you know, policies, the wacko ones are going to succeed because the government's paying for everybody to live there, you know, paying for all the voters who don't who make less than a uh, you know, million dollars a year. So it, it, it's just a crazy system. But, you know, why would you? But anyway, back to my point, the BART system is being paid for by people who live hundreds of miles away who never use it. I mean, all citizens of California are taxed to pay for San Francisco subway. Well, that's crazy. This is why we need separate. I, I can get my article out again. The city state. So in other words, these cities need to operate as separate entities, separated from their state. They become city states. They become, they become a, a separate taxing entity, a separate supporting entity. And the, the rest of the state, you know, the suburbs suburbs, and the rural areas, they need to become their own area. Let them support themselves. So it's going to be – Well, need I agree with that. Yeah. At know.
2: some point, people will just say they refuse and I'm not going to pay it. And until well, you that's get my people are like moving. That's yeah. Well, moving is one thing. No matter where you move, you live in the state, you still going to have to pay for public transportation in a city that you don't even use.
1: Well the best thing is to, is to go to Florida where they don't have an income tax, so I don't mind you know I mean obviously i do you have to pay some tax because there are some things the government has to do, you know so I don't mind doing that um what i what I mind paying for is all kinds of ridiculous stuff like illegals getting health care and stuff like that um so that's that's the big problem, but the idea of taxing people well here's the thing the, the, let's get back to the the, the racial stuff again because it's interesting that if you have middle class uh black hispanic Asian, anybody else's families, people of color, as they say, um, who, are, who have good credit, who have worked hard, who are going to be taxed more, they're just going to be just as victimized as the folks they label the white privilege crowd. So this is really a, this is a battle of incomes. This is Marxian economics, you know, 101, distributing income, you know, from each according to their means, in other words, what people have accumulated, to each according to their needs, in other words, what the selfish people want. So the selfish people want houses they can't afford. So they're demanding politicians to give them houses they can't afford by making people who can't afford their houses pay for the people who can't afford their houses too. That's insane. That's how societies collapse. But it's not a color thing. Well, yeah, that's how you absolutely right. It's yeah.
2: How they collapse. All this is going to come to a crashing uh-huh. end at some point uh-huh. in the near future.
0: Yeah, well, it's I keep not going, going
2: to work. work
1: we got the solutions here, you know? And in fact, this one, this is actually pretty easy to solve. Just, Carly just stops them from doing it. I said, no, you can't do this. In fact, I'm going to talk to my state rep, um, after the show, and I'm going to send him the show. I said, look, you've got to, you've got to make sure that Florida never has, um, income pricing systems. what do you think of my example earlier? That if the debit card becomes a debit income card in a cashless society, and you go to the movies, and if you make over a million bucks, the movie costs a thousand. If you make over a hundred thousand, the movie costs a hundred. If you make over fifty thousand it costs twenty five. If you make uh, below fifty thousand you get the market price, about ten bucks for a movie. If you make minimum wage, the movie is free. And if you're on welfare or, or an illegal alien, they pay you to go to the movies. What do you think of that <laughs> for an economic model? No,
2: I think everybody should pay the same. Why are you penalize you penalize somebody for being smart and mm-hmm. worked hard in order to qualify themselves
1: for a higher paying positions. Exactly. Well, that's, that's what I initially – I don't know if you heard it way back at the beginning of the show. There are two systems that, uh, that, that we can have. One is market pricing. So, in other words, the price is the price. Everybody pays the same. It doesn't matter what your income is. In fact, the whole point, as you said, of accumulating more income is that the cost of goods and services is lower, so you got more money for other stuff or better stuff or your yacht or, in my case, my jet. You know, The whole point – that's why you have to have market pricing so everybody pays the same price. That's actually constitutional. To have, to have income pricing is unconstitutional because it violates the fourth, 14th Amendment Equal Protection Clause. You're not getting the equal protection of the laws. You're getting penalized based on your income. So that's unconstitutional. This plan of Biden's is unconstitutional. Was not his plan. But income pricing... People's
2: lawn service, lawn mm-hmm. service and no mine have, have went up because of Joe Biden's increase in energy costs. Of course. The gas and oil are running the lawnmowers... And the implementation used in order to maintain a lawn and landscaping is costing Mm -hmm. more. So they pass that on to the homeowner. And some of these homeowners are are living on a fixed income. That's why at some point in time they have to give their house up because they can't afford
1: it. Well, that's
0: like a reverse market. Yeah. yeah. Why
2: would you get a reverse market? The, the, The house, the prices. For things that uh, when they retire was one place, and mm-hmm. according to their instrumentation, it would have worked out fine. But no, all of a sudden, the, the costs are coming in, and they're eating up your income, you won't have no money for food. So these elderly people have to leave their
1: home. Yeah, that's crazy. Yeah, well, that's all caused by inflation, and we got to cure for inflation. You have to have a constitutional amendment. It takes the power of Congress to borrow money. If when Congress stops borrowing yeah, money, agree. inflation inflation will stop. You know, and I used to think I that agree. Congress
2: is completely out of control.
1: Yep. Well, you know, I used to think, and I want to I want to change topics because we only have fifteen minutes before Jonathan gets here. But I used to think when I first started action radio that we're going to send our bills to Congress and uh, you know, it's up to them. They're the government, you know, we'll lobby, we'll advocate, you know, and we'll, uh, we'll try and get them passed, but uh, we are a constitutional system. And so this is how it should work. Well, I don't feel that way anymore. Uh, we have to make them do this because, and I'm talking peacefully. I'm not talking about, you know, revolution but I'm saying make them in other words with, with public pressure that we have to make them pass that bill. That so we have to go to all our state legislatures, all 50 States and, and the Congress. We have to say, look, we're committing economic suicide. You know, if you folks want to get reelected, you have to get a constitutional amendment that takes the power of Congress to borrow money. That is like – that should be the number one well, they priority. Got
2: kind of, hmm? They got conventions in states. Congress is not
1: going to do that. Only is yeah, it the come convention, come from yeah.
2: the bottom, like it, it's uh, written in Article
1: 5. Yeah, you know what I – and you know my feeling, and I'm not going to get into it now, but my feeling, I'll just say the Convention of States, that opens up the whole Constitution, and I know we've had well, our to on that. Well, no, it does not.
2: That. They have – you need to read it so you get away I from that read. excuse. No, I haven't. Well, read. then
0: you don't
1: understand it right. People could, people could say the same thing about your laws that you write too, right? Yeah, but I write them out ahead of time. See, that's the difference. My, my Mine are all written out ahead of time you know exactly what you're getting. Oh, yeah, we yeah, meant these, it. These, mm-hmm. these ideas on the convention,
2: they come from the people, come from the bottom. And that's the only
1: way... Well, I don't, I don't mind that. Do My objection is you just have to write them out ahead of time and you can't change them once you get in the convention. That's, so that's, right. that's what you that's need the to have. That's they are. When no,
2: you go no, to the convention, no. you already have a prescribed and set uh, formula that you can only do, you cannot pres- no. change. Matter of fact, in some states... It
1: comes with a penalty if you do not try to. Yeah, Well, I mean, I, I'm not I'm not convinced simply because I've had Mark Meckler on the show. I want to get him back. But uh, he told me, "So look, we're, we've got areas where we're going to do it. We're going to get in the convention. We're going to start talking. I said, you can't do that. I said, it's complete sabotage. You're going to well, get ruined. You're gonna, you're liberals the liberals are going to move
2: one in. you got people okay. from each state, frankly, that has an explanation okay. and talk very well. All right. Well, what's let's get them doing. on. Let's, uh, and they're people up.
1: Okay, well in that case, uh, let me talk to him and get him on the show. We'll we'll do that. The second thing I want the, the, the first issue is the mortgage penalty. The second one that I found is this electrical utility bill based on your income. This is what California wants to do, and this is from the Washington Examiner. the restoring American section, David Fredoso, F R E D D O S O, online opinionator. Uh, opinion editor, excuse me, and this is from April 15th, which happens to be tax day, which no one cares about because we all file by computers in January. He says, we all may soon have to get used to income-based electricity bills, <laughs> said a reporter from KGO San Francisco. No, we don't, you stupid moron. He was referring to the usage. Said. Well, exactly. Well, that's, again, that's, that's, uh, that's market. That's pricing based on, on the market price. In other words, per kilowatt hour, you get a charge. But what they want I to do is that's the way everything should be. I well, agree the, with That's you. the way everything should be. Everything should be should be a market price based on uh, a quality that everybody is treated equally. So no, it's the price of gas is the same per gallon. I don't care what your income. The price of electricity is the same per kilowatt. I don't care what your income. Your mortgage is the same, you know, interest rate for that house based on people with your credit rating. <laughs> you know, I don't care what your credit rating is. You know, so it just none of this stuff. We got to get the Marxism out of our economy. But some idiot KGO reporter, and KGO is the big station there. I used to listen to them talk. I used to call their host. That's where Michael Savage got his start, KGO, uh, and then it became KSFO, and or that was a different station. Anyway, it's a mess. But anyway, they're pretty leftist. So the idea that a reporter would say we may, we all may soon have to get used to income-based electricity bills, is insane. Then it says he was referring to the Gilded States' three biggest utility companies' new proposal to add $85 per month to the electricity bills of those making more than 185000 per year. That is Marxism, pure and simple, value-based pricing, income-based pricing. In other words, you have to pay based on your value. That's how that's how Marx works. That's the whole thing of, of uh, from each according to their, their means, in other words, what you own, to each according to their needs, in other words, what people want. You can't you can't make a system. You, you can't you can't base a system on makers and takers. It's, that's the part that doesn't work. Go ahead, and then I'm gonna finish this article here. You trying to punish people
2: uh-huh. because other people can't make it? You got an educational system that's uh-huh. there that is not producing. You got parents. That having kids that don't push their kids in the right direction. You got jobs that have left and gone that would have been ideal for those of the lower job market. Mm -hmm. And now you're trying to punish those who have went, like I said, and took up the hard
1: subjects in order to get degrees for the high demand and the high salary Mm position. Sure. I'll give you another one, student loans. The idea of giving uh, – of, of what I call graduate student welfare. In other words, paying the loans of people that refuse to pay them back, punishing the people who did pay them back. That's yeah, and another. those
2: is going out and getting $100,000, $150,000 worth of student loans for a job that's going to pay $35,000 a year. What kind of damn sense does that make?
1: Well, it doesn't. But you should. But first of all, student loans should not be within the government. They should be just like uh, mortgages. You know, private, just like credit loans, private credit cards, private. You know, the, and then they can uh, do the market. And if they they make a bad decision, then they lose. Go ahead.
2: And then too, if you look at some of these scholarships, those scholarships go unfulfilled because students can't qualify for
1: them with kinds things part.
2: like the essays.
1: Yeah. You know, that's a different story. Uh, I want to keep to the economics of this. We have about ten minutes left here. Let me give you more of this article. Uh, it says now, if you live in California or you know anything about the place, you understand that one hundred eighty-five thousand dollars is not an extravagant income there. The cost of living is extreme. An unimpressive one-bedroom apartment in San Francisco can run north of three hundred you know three thousand five hundred dollars, which is true. I remember seeing rental signs. I've seen four thousand dollars for a single-bedroom apartment in San Francisco, and this is which is one reason the city is losing populations so rapidly. He says, you might say that $85 per month is not an extravagant hardship, and that's fair, but that is a lot of money to add to an electricity bill in exchange for nothing when you're already paying such high rents. See, they totally missed the point, too. See, no one's dealing with the fact that this is Marxist economics, that this is, a, this is a distribution system based on income. So in other words, switching from a market price to an income price. That's the thing I'm trying to tie together with taxes on Social Security, on money you've already paid tax on, on, ta- on, on having differential Medicare based on your income. Uh, it, and it could, like I say, it could get as bad as the movies, you know, with an income debit card, especially if they want to get us to a cashless society. And I'm using cash more now just because I want to use cash more to get it back out there. But you look at all these, and I have a whole list of them here. You know, so you've got utility bills, income-based. You've got mortgages, income-based, student loans income-based you know all these different goods and, and, and commodities are all moving to income-based away from market-based pricing that's the trend this is what i'm trying to do that's what this whole show is about today then it says the real well not only
2: that then go ahead. Uh-huh. you got these idiots that's going into these stores and just stealing stuff without any reputation.
1: yeah so that's now that, that's important but that's
0: that's the that relationship.
1: That causes prices to go up.
0: Yeah. So no, if you that got question-
2: that going on, you're paying $85 extra amount of electricity, then all of a sudden that goes on. Then what you was buying is now double and triple in cost because of theft and mm-hmm. things you try to put in place to dwarf traffic. Then when the stores close, you got to drive further. That's what to mean you got to use more fuel. It's a lose-lose proposition.
1: No, it, and I, I understand that, but what I'm talking about is, is an economic system, not just individual prices. So, yes, everything drives up the prices, the cost of fuel. I, know, I noticed diesel is down in price, which I find interesting. I haven't quite figured out why that is. Like $2 a gallon cheaper because it was way too high, I guess, when they're trying to shut off the supply lines. They raised the price of diesel so nobody could get any goods or services. Um, that I find interesting. But anyway, but the point is, are we a market pricing system or are we an income pricing system? A market pricing system is a free market. And I, don't use the term, I don't use the term capitalism because Marx used that to denigrate the free market, not, uh, not describe it. And so you, you know, I, don't, I don't use those, that term. So it's a free market. It's, a, it's prices based on the market where everybody pays the same or it's based on, on your income where everybody pays according to their means. So if you pay according to your means, that's Marxist. That's a Marxist economic system. So regardless of all these other factors that increase prices or even decrease prices, that's not the, that's not the real point that I, that I want to get to today. The point is, which system are we going to live under? Are we going to live under a market pricing system where everybody pays the same or uh, for whatever good or service they want? Or are we going to live under an income system where everything that you, you do is judged by your income, all your prices? That's the danger. That's the point I'm trying to make. Make sense?
2: Yeah, it makes sense. And the income system is not going to work because you're always going to have more people that's without that certain level than you are going to have those that's above.
1: But it doesn't work it's in not principle. Work. But it doesn't work in principle. I, mean, I don't care how much... You know, even if it did work, it would still be wrong, <laughs> You know, but it's not going to. But the idea that you can base um prices on how much somebody makes. Like I said, that's why I like my movie example. Now I wrote that in an article. I don't know where I wrote it, but I remember writing very specifically that exact argument that if you're gonna base everything uh based on income, then use the movie ticket. Movie ticket costs about ten bucks.
0: Well, and then
1: Yeah. When
2: people come up with new ideas, they should be thought out. And even to think out a ridiculous thing like what they're trying to do Mm-hmm. Shows that it has a brick wall at the end, somewhere before you get to the end, really. So it's mm-hmm. not going to work. It shouldn't be work.
1: Yeah, but this is classic 1800s Marxism. It's class based. It's not race based. I mean, they try to make everything race based here, but this is not really race based. This is class based. In other words, the the middle income, the so called middle class that we used to have, that could buy their homes. They bought a modest home, you know, bought a car or two, you know, uh, took the family on vacation, had one income. You know, paid their low taxes and and uh, you know got us through the fifties and sixties until the seventies. That was basically the model. Was was the middle class of this kind of post World War II middle class. That was the model, all right? And then of course we got uh, you know women working, so the government could double their income with with extra taxes. Um, we got all the other problems. We got the Great Society. You know, we got all the horrible things that happened uh, in the sixties to set us up for the disaster we have now. Well, and it's well, I can guarantee all guarantee you. Know,
2: you Uh that this idea did not come to help the people in Appalachia. In a Biden administration, you got somebody in there that's coming up with these ideas for him
1: that is looking at what's going on in your urban areas. Sure. This is designed to take lower income, especially black Americans, and say to lower income black Americans who can't afford a home, That you should have a home because it's racist if you don't have a home. They don't say that to lower income white Americans like me, you know. And I intend to be a higher income American, um, but at this point I'm a lower income American just because I'm starting a new business. Everybody gets starts there. Hey, look, even the Carnegies went broke. The Vanderbilts, they all went broke. They all had no income at one point. So that's not that's not a that's not a a shame or a problem. That's actually normal, you know, to to start off this way. But I don't expect to buy a house when I don't have the income. I don't well, what yeah, right. Me, you could
2: buy a house, Well, how are you going to maintain the house? That's the big question. Nobody nobody thinks that far beyond.
1: Right, that's a question. Now too. you got but, it in your lap. What you going to do with it? Uh huh. But just but what they're saying is that because there are black Americans who can't afford the houses that they want because they don't have the income, that they should get a special privilege, and they're making it a racial thing. So, well, these people deserve a house. No, you don't. You don't. Des- nobody deserves a house.
2: This is how the unless you want to get one, you're going to. You can uh-huh. make it possible somebody who to get a home who really don't have the the capacity to, to maintain to to buy that house. Okay, now they have it. How are you going to maintain it? Well, they can't maintain it. What are you going to do? Come up with some other scheme in order to make sure that they have money and to put on a new roof, to maintain the lawn, to pay the trash bill.
0: Mm-hmm. And
2: now, if you don't do that, then the property value go down, which affects the other properties in the area. Now, all of a sudden, you're going to have everybody with less than a 640 credit score.
1: Well, that's interesting. Well, see, now, my, my plan was that anybody that gets affected by this, you know, which is, uh, you know, uh, should immediately dump their credit. I mean, just go buy things. <laughs> you know, get your score below 680, and then it won't affect you. You know, I mean, sabotage them. I mean, you shouldn't have to do that, but it would be an interesting interesting thought if people did that. Um, but but, but that, was, that was another one of my thoughts. But here's the, here's the basic problem. Any time that the government takes from one person to give to another person, that's illegal. That's Marxism. That is a basic violation of our rights, of our individual rights. We have a right to what we've gotten, what we've accumulated. We do not have a right to take from someone else to get anything. That's why there's no right to health care. There's no right to food or shelter. You have to get those things yourself. Now, you shouldn't be watching them. But you don't have a right to them from somebody else. Yeah, go ahead. And another thing too,
2: people that have the money don't usually use credit. You know, I had to start using a credit card because my credit. They said, "Well, you don't, you don't have no credit." And I say, "No, I, I pay cash for everything."
0: Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah. So now what's going to happen? It's one way to dwarf that Biden plan. Just pay cash for everything. Get rid of your credit card. Use everything on a debit card.
1: Because okay, you, to you have
2: to use you can't walk around with money in your pocket because people yep. hit you over the head, like we've seen in Chicago, and we've seen in other places where they board a train and rob everybody on a train in 2022, mm-hmm. like they did back in the 1800s. It's just,
1: we, it's a Mad Max. Yeah, so you can't walk around with cash because, well, that's probably the reason that there is so much crime is to stop people from walking around with cash to force them to use credit. What if we had cash accounts that were secret? Uh, I'm going to work on that in a sec. We got Jonathan that's going to drop in here. So I don't want to develop this too much yet. I'm going to work on that. The idea of a secret cash account. So in other words, you don't have a debit card, but you have a card that has a secret cash account that you put money in and you can take money out, but there's no tracing of it. It has to be encrypted or, I don't know. I'll think of that in a bit. But the, whole, but the way this is going to work, this is why they want to get rid of cash, right and so, if we go to this this government, I forgot what CDBK whatever it's called, Marco knows in the uh, Netherlands. Marco, if you can give me the um, the, the the acronym letters uh, to what this cashless thing is, the government, the, the the currency based or whatever it is. Jackie, do you know what's that? What's that, that, that acronym for the remember. cashless society? Okay, anyway, Marco, he'll get back to us in a minute when he can. Um, I think here the cashless society now most people use plastic except when you're at the Walmart and
2: the, the family in front of you pulling out money out of their pocket will you know,
1: have a suspicion that they're illegal in the country. Yeah. Thanks Marco. CDBC. That's the cashless society. See, the only way this stuff works, I can just, I just, I speak into my microphone. I get an answer from the Netherlands in like 20 seconds. Don't you love the age we're living in? It's really incredible. All right. Thanks Marco. Appreciate it. Um, but this is how this is going to work. You cannot have an income-based pricing system with cash because cash, nobody knows your income. You know, I don't even know if the cards. So say yes, your debit card has a – go ahead. Your income is reported to the internal revenue Service. Yeah, but it's not reported it. to your local grocery store. Well. <laughs> no, the, the, I explored if
2: this earlier is in the – the grocery store and prices are going to be marked as it is, but
0: Not your income is
2: reported to the Internal Revenue Service quarterly by your, whoever's paying it.
1: Wait a minute. No, no. You, you, uh, no. What if they, this whole uh, fact, Marco, even added central bank digital cur- currency. This is why I love our live chat. Anybody wants to type in from anywhere in the world, please feel free. Except when you listen to my podcast because, you know, you can't do it then. <laughs> But central bank digital currency. So in other words, if the central banks are are issuing currency that's digital, that's recorded, all our transactions, they know your income. So that when you go to a store with your digital currency card, that the price will be told to you on your card based on your income. Now, they can't do that if they have cash out there because we can just, we would just pay the market price. Right? So this is why this is this cashless stuff is so dangerous, Now, I haven't really explored it on the show. Again, I've been kind of waiting for it to develop, and I'm going to learn about it when I can. But the problem is that that is the way they could move us to an income based economy rather than a market price based economy, and that's why this this and whole who's idea of cashless. Collect
2: the fees on those cards, JP Morgan, like they do now, and you
1: snap cards. Uh, I don't know. I, the fees aren't my concern as so much as the, uh, the idea of converting our economy from, mar- from, from a market price economy where everybody pays the same to an income price economy where everybody pays according to their income, which is Marxist. That's my big concern right now. I yeah. where Jonathan is. Yeah. All right. Let's see if Jonathan's going to show up or should I play something? Yeah. Okay. He hasn't sent me a message. Yeah. He's probably still having coffee. Hey, Jonathan, wake up. Call the show. (laughs) All right, let me take a break right now. It is now 8.02. 8.02. Play a couple things, and we'll be back in a little bit. Greg Penglis here for my book, The Complete Guide to Flight Instruction. Everyone at some point in their life wants to learn how to fly. Few try. Even fewer go on to get a license. I believe a major reason for that is how we teach people how to fly. The Complete Guide to Flight Instruction is featured on the Action Radio with Greg Panklos Facebook page and is available from Amazon.com. Well, that sounds good. Even better. Okay, how about your car? If you want the best service for your vehicle, please talk to James at Florida Stores Automotive. Great Care, better health through better knowledge and advocacy. Action Radio, part of the ADHD Radio Network, the ultimate free speech zone. We the people give our consent to be governed through writing the laws by which we are governed Is Action Radio. Well, I'm back. I uh, messaged Jonathan, but I haven't heard um, from him, so uh, um, I'm hoping he didn't uh, get his messages mixed up. So we were were thinking um, last week, because uh, we tend to ramble on in this hour into Dorothy's hour, that if I switch Dorothy with Jonathan, then we could... uh, uh, you know, carry on with a little bit of overtime, and then I decided yesterday, you know, I'm working away. Uh, I said, "Nope, don't do that. This, everybody keep the regular time." So I, I text and message everybody, keep your regular times. And so I don't know if I just want to make sure that message got through. It's like, Jonathan, it's your turn. Call in. <laughs> Sorry, send us the messages. All right, let's. Um, you know, here's another example. Go ahead.
2: Here's another example i will be talking about. This is on a Twitter page, Senator Charlie Oliver. <clears throat> uh huh. She's a black female who represents District 19 of the state of Tennessee. This is what she writes. My first year in the Tennessee legislature was one for the history books. Literally, I'm proud of how I represented District 19. Now, check this out. Voted my conscience and fought for people-centered values. Hmm. See, that's where the problem is. You got people that's voting for these candidates and they don't know what the heck they stand for. Anytime I hear a candidate say that they're going to vote their conscience and vote my heart felt values, I don't vote for them (laughs) because what they're doing is backwards. They suppose should be listening and be sent by their constituents for a purpose. Not to go there and vote your hard given conscience, that's ridiculous, and that's how we get in these positions that we're in now.
1: Yeah, you're supposed to vote for uh, things that protect people's rights and property. You're supposed to represent your constituents. You're supposed to represent the people that elected you. You're not supposed to represent your party, and you're not supposed to represent uh, the corporations or the lobbyists. Yet that's what happens. So we got Jonathan. Good morning, sir welcome to the show dude. good morning
3: somebody somebody told me to call this number no i I, I, I totally agree with Pianchi. that's that is a great point um that that I mean that's that how could I say I don't know maybe I don't need to say anything else but that is exactly right um we gotta I mean it's code word. it's code language and we be like I'm not gonna listen to you I'm gonna do whatever the hell I want yeah. um and we fall for it
1: well, it actually sounds like uh, United Nations Declaration of Human Rights. In other words, I'm going to vote for human rights, not individual constitutional rights. And human rights mean we're all equal on the planet, which means the person in Madagascar has every right to your house that you do. <laughs> you know that, that's the example I use. But uh, that's what these people go with it. You know, they, they're, it's like the Twitter people that, that I was watching the, the Nancy Mace commentary. You know, on the Twitter person who blocked out all the all the good doctors who were trying to cure COVID uh, and had the cure. And they, they blocked her out, and they said, well, we, we can't have bad information getting out there. I said, well, who are you? You're not a doctor. You don't know what's going on. You know, you've made the decision for all these people. You, you, you base it on, uh, on your own you know, individual criteria that you think you're doing the right thing. You're self-righteous to the point where you've killed you know, a million people. <laughs> yeah, this, this gets crazy when people start doing this kind of stuff. But this, the human rights are group rights. Human rights are collective rights. Uh, and that's what, they, they, that's what I think they're saying when they say we're voting our conscience. Well, I mean, everybody votes their conscience. I mean, that's, you, you do everything by your conscience, whether you have one or not. <laughs> so that, that's kind of meaningless. Um, there was another one, too. There was a woman that was talking about, um, you know, it says that my right to, to my life is more important than your right to guns. And like, the two have nothing to do with each other. Besides, you can have both. You can have both a right to your life, which you'd have, and a right to guns, which we have. The two have nothing to do with each other. And yet they always, they always try and cross those things over. That was funny, too. Who wants that one? Okay, fine. <laughs> so much for that idea.
0: Uh,
1: where uh,
3: did I? I, I went uh, now you're back. Oh. Oh.
1: Anyway, all right. You're having you're having me in the background. You got technical difficulties. It sounds like. So you want to mute the computer? And, yeah. Uh, did
3: you Did you hear what I said about? Or that no. was that on no, hold?
1: No, you were on hold. You muted yourself.
3: Oh, okay. Well, I was just going to say that, that it was when I was helping um, a candidate like Christine O'Donnell, it suddenly, slowly, became obvious that people have these different ideas about why why someone should run for office. They just want them to be like symbols
0: hmm. of
3: like they're, they're the best of us. They just want someone. They they think that we're voting for someone just to look up to as a as a moral example. But they don't—they don't, they don't have any concept that they're actually supposed to do something when they're in office. You know, they—they yeah, they, they think that they're just supposed to be
1: um, these these great uh, uh, people. They're not, um, you know, they're not <laughs> no, they're they're great not because that, they're in office. They don't have to actually do anything great while in office. They, they're great because they're there.
3: Well, yeah. Well, and they're, but but they're in office because they're. They're supposed to be examples of, you know, they're just, they're supposed to be, like for example, they would, they would fume at Christine O'Donnell being a, just an ordinary person.
0: Mm-hmm.
3: And, you know, and, and it was the same time as the tea party and this discussion was going on and they, right. you know, they were really offended that just, like, who does she think she is
1: running for office?
0: Yeah. I'm like,
3: well, what are you talking about?
1: Um, well, she's not one of the anyway, clubs. She's not one of the elite. The same thing with Trump. Well,
3: that's exactly, oh. and they really, they really believe that. And the, and I think yeah. that the problem is when the, when these kind of candidates get in office, they think that, they think like they're not as You know, it's like the Bushes. They, they talked about public service, and uh-huh. I think they're from an age when, you know, if you're rich and, and elite and you, you give back, you do public service. Like well, what oh, the exactly? Patricians?
1: Oh, it like like the Roman yeah. patricians? That's what it sounds yeah, like. Yeah,
3: like you don't. Have, it doesn't matter what you do. You just just have to be there to,
1: okay. you know, to
3: show that you're you're doing your part. Like well, so Priyanki's yeah.
1: right. Okay, he usually is. Um, we've got three issues that I think are are really critical, and we got about forty five minutes to play with them. Uh, the Supreme Court right. opinion of uh, of uh, Samalito in the myth of Pristone, I can never pronounce that drug, the abortion drug. Um, we've got the IRS scandal with uh, Merrick Waco Garland, as I'm calling him now, because he was there at Waco along with Eric Holder, uh, and the Pentagon whistleblower, which we haven't heard from. Uh, so, so, and then, of course, any issue that you have, if you want to start with, with something of your own. But those, those are things I think we could uh, hash out a little bit here.
2: Well,
3: What's um, on your mind? Well i what's I mean I don't it's not necessarily the same as what I should talk about, but you know, my, most of what's on my mind is about Ray Epps and the Oh let's uh, talk about that.
1: Minutes.
3: Oh I didn't even see um, it. What
1: happened? Do tell. New information he said, I love it.
3: He said exactly what um I would have um expected. Hmm. Um you know, but but the the thing the thing is is that he he um he described what's the same as pretty much all the other January 6th defendants. And, but he tries to, you know, he says, well, I, I, you know, I didn't do anything. I, all I did was every, everything that everybody else is accused of. <laughs> Does that make are you getting my point? I mean, he's like, he describes like, uh, the only, the only difference between Ray Epps and all these other people in his best interpretation, which nobody believes, uh, nobody should believe, um, um is uh you know, is that um is the same as everybody else. So it's like, you know, so if if we took is this I mean innocence
1: oh, by association is, as opposed to guilt.
3: <laughs> well there's definitely guilt by but the thing is is saying that is it's saying like, you know, what? All I did was tell people to go attack the Capitol and go inside and and uh, and I helped to knock over the barricades and I, you know, trampled over this this police woman who was on the ground and like what, you know, what, what's the big deal? I'm such a victim here, and you know, and, and and you know, 60 minutes actually did a pretty good job of like, I mean, the, the thing is, is that as I expected, and I don't know why I had such a premonition of this, but um, it is that they they in trying to defend him and trying to defuse the issue of Ray Epps as the mastermind of of nine of, of january sixth mm-hmm. um I'm sure that searches you know all they did was spread the truth far and wide um they they did they did they did more to help um the the cause of January sixth defendants than than they have any idea. I mean, because 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 the i the idea. For, I mean, it was all about poor me, um, Ray Epps, but but he was not distinguished in any way from any of the other people. So um, you know. So I mean that that that's in the best interpretation. And then they um, and then they described his. Uh, uh, you know, his text where he said he orchestrated the whole thing. Mm-hmm. And and he says that, you know, they showed him saying go into the Capitol, go to the Capitol and everything like that. Mm-hmm. So, um it was just it was just bizarre. All all they did was end up advertising the uh the concerns about Ray Epps.
1: Um <laughs> Who who was the interviewer?
3: Oh it was several. it was okay, I, I didn't pay attention. Um but it was um I think I remember the name, but I but
1: it's just it just escapes me.
3: Um,
0: there was, I and think there's actually two I,
1: uh, yeah, I haven't watched sixty minutes since Mike Wallace left. <laughs> who was that? Seventy eight? Eighty two, I don't know. Uh, but yeah. um um well, can you imagine conversations around the Wallace dinner table as Chris Wallace is getting progressively more Marxist than leftist and Mike Wallace's dad, who was fairly liberal, but he was a decent guy. You know, I've seen his interviews. He actually interviewed people, and he was good at what he did. And he actually asked real questions. And then you get Chris Wallace, this little whimpering communist. You know, you just imagine at the dinner table, what are you doing now, Chris, you idiot? <laughs> You're not a journalist. You know, I mean, I don't know. I just It would be one of those like, conversations we'll never know about, but, uh, yeah. Chris Wallace is not his dad, not even close.
3: Well, the thing, the other thing that happened, and, and so, I was talking to somebody, and I pretty much, I, I, I well,
0: mm-hmm.
3: I, I pretty much predicted everything that was going to happen in the interview, which
0: mm-hmm.
3: is not like yay me. That's just like it was that ham-handed and uninspired and. You know, well, the they, they
0: didn't ask
1: for his for his FBI handler. They didn't ask when he was recruited by the FBI. They didn't uh, well, ask how they, he was uh, trained in counterinsurgency and and color revolutions and how to inspire crowds to break the law and not get caught. They didn't tra- They didn't ask how he learned about entrapment and all those other things and how to do it. I mean, that's what I'd ask. Well,
3: they, what what most of what they did was they, um, they they gave tremendous publicity to Darren Beatty. And Revolver dot News, so like Revolver dot News is now like a thousand times more famous than it ever was, and and but but as Darren Beatty says, funny they wouldn't have me on to give my side of the Like the story was about uh, how Revolver dot News created this conspiracy theory that Ray Epps was a fed. Like no, Ray Epps Ray created Epps- that. You know, is he, 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 and and um and the other thing um is that um I'm trying to look and see who is the name of the if I sound a little distracted, I'm trying to find the name of the um of I don't
1: know the, uh, the usual the interview.
3: Jonathan. Um <laughs> it looked like it was produced by Graham Messick, but I don't know. Um now why um the ideas is that
1: why would they do it at this particular time? What's, I, what, you what, know, what's the I, timing? I do,
3: I do believe that they're that stupid. Oh, okay. I, I believe I believe that they're they are stupid because um, um, <laughs> because they hang around with you know the same people. Right. I, I say the they're stupid not in terms of not not in terms of met yeah right not not in terms of. Um, Not in terms of intellectual equipment, Mm -hmm. but in terms of hanging around with all the wrong people, you know, hanging Mm -hmm. around with the wrong people,
1: reinforcing each other's insecurities and uh, world domination plans and and, uh, arrogance. (laughs) They make arrogance common. Yeah, it's like. And I think uh, I think uh, in their minds,
3: they they think that here's another example of Fox News Tucker Carlson, um, getting things wrong, and. You know, but here there's like there's. I mean, you can't possibly mm-hmm. uh, defend. You you can't possibly attack Tucker Carlson's thing. But what what they did as is is, um, is, uh, is they said. See, see, here's the thing: is that people have been saying that. Mm-hmm. Um, there's this vast difference between how the Department of Justice is treating Ray Epps and everybody else who did far who did far less and there's mm-hmm. far less evidence of them. Um and so they're trying to say that um there's no evidence that he that he's a Fed. But of course that's a straw man. That's not what people were saying. What people were saying was that um what I just said, that there's this disparity between the way, um, you know, it, so, so I mean, the people who are criticizing, um, they're not saying we should indict Ray Fs They're saying you shouldn't be in, indicting all these other people.
0: Mm mm-hmm. hmm. Really they're not, yeah.
3: Yeah. They're not saying we want more indictments. They're saying like, here's a guy who did far worse and admitted it all over the place. And he, you know, he is living in the mountains in an RV. And all of these other people who did, you know, who didn't do what they're accused of, uh, most of them, they're in jail, um, either awaiting trial or after trial or or what have you. So, um, uh, so, so what they did is they, of course, they chased the rabbit. Mm-hmm. And, and, and they were interested in trying to prove that there's no evidence, except for everything we've seen in front of our eyes, that he's a, that he's well, a fed.
1: There's a good reason to go after it's not so much that he's a fed, we don't have to prove that, but we need to prove how many feds were there and how much, and why are you putting regular citizens in, in, in the DC gulag, which I'm glad to see everybody using that term. We've been using it for. Uh, probably since a week after January 6th when people started first being, ar- or whenever they first were arrested. But language is powerful and doesn't make a difference. But the reason we need to know about Ray Epps and Black Lives Matter and Antifa and the foreign mercenaries and, and the FBI operatives and anybody else was there, because they are the coup. The reason, that's the reason we need to know about Ray Epps. It's not just to prove he's a fed, but to prove what he did. And how can you arrest regular Correct. citizens as the excuse, as the pretense, as the Reichstag fire, you know, for uh, this, like blaming the Jews for the Reichstag fire, the burning of the parliament in Germany when the the Nazis burned it down so they could blame the Jews. Right. Yep. You know, in other words, so, so the, the, the real insurrection, the real coup is the FBI KGB operatives, you know, the, the groups I mentioned before that went in to try. And then they blame and, the, and the, the pretense to get all those people off is that all these other people did it. Well, this is why you need to know about these folks. We need to know who all the informants and the mercenaries and the KGB, FBI agents, and, the, uh, and everybody else that was involved, the Antifa, Black Lives Matter, and any other group we don't even know about yet. So let me ask you that question. Are there any other groups that were there besides Black Lives Matter and Antifa that we don't know about yet? Have any new well, groups they, come to they're, light? They're trying to say it's all Proud Boys, of which there is. No, 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 no. Is, I'm, not, I'm not talking about the good groups. I'm talking about the bad groups. I'm talking about the but, modern but that, KKK. But this is
3: the story. Is it okay. toxic? About uh, talking about um, about Ray Apps mm-hmm. is a ploy to, to hide the fact that to, to the mountain of evidence that the Proud Boys uh, they've kind of given up on the Oath Keepers but uh, the Proud Boys and the Oath Keepers led the attack on um, uh, you know on the Capitol of which there is absolutely no evidence whatsoever I mean, it, like in the housekeeper's case, they came out and they said that um, they came out and and every single witness, whether called by the government or called by the defense, agreed mm-hmm. there was no plan and no conspiracy. And they, the the the, G, the DC jury still found them guilty of conspiracy <laughs> to obstruct <laughs> the, the justice and, and and two of them seditious conspiracy,
0: even so though not a stuff?
3: single. Well, you don't know what the what the jury the jury doesn't. That's one of the problems with the jury. Is it you know who knows what the hell they do back in, back in the jury room?
1: So wait a minute. Um, the jury came back know. with charges for guilty charges that the people weren't even accused of, or were or dismissed no. or something. Or say that again. There was
3: no evidence to support it.
1: Oh, and they found him guilty anyway. Yeah, they paid them off. So 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 how many how many jury members are, are FBI antifa Black Lives Matter you know, mercenaries F you know informants or other staff of the federal government?
3: Right. So so and and the the Proud Boys, it, it it's almost as bad, but they're they're trying to say this is all this is all to distract attention away from. Um, it's all to distract attention away from the Proud Boys who led the attack of which there is zero evidence whatsoever. I mean there's absolutely no there's absolutely no evidence that the Proud Boys gave a flip about the, the electoral college vote, had any interest in the Capitol. They just kinda of wandered in there like everybody else. And and so we're there. so but but Ray Epps is supposedly um a distraction from the evidence of people who really do, did it, for, of whom there is no evidence whatsoever. Um, oh, AOC is calling for um, a ban on Fox News for inciting violence. <laughs>
0: um,
3: I, I just, I, I just want to take, I just want to take a moment. Sure. Um, to, to just announce, I'm just going to interrupt myself here that that I don't feel safe. Um, around um, Alexandria Ocasio Cortez, um, uh, she makes me feel unsafe, and and I know I'm going to be killed. And you know, really, really, we should uh, we should like get we should uh, move. Uh, you know, any other drama, you know, drama queen points I could make, um, but you know, all, all this abusive drama queen thing. She's the queen of of that. They never. Um, uh...
2: They never cited Maxine Waters like that. And she's on video several times uh, telling people to go out and get it in people's faces
1: and create
2: havoc and so on and so on.
1: Oh, listen, right. there's, a, there's a trans warrior who's threatening if you try and stop a trans you know woman, in other words, a man, from going in a woman's bathroom, that's going to be the, the last mistake you ever make. I was watching this on One American News last night. So you want to talk about open threats? There are people that uh, are, you know, you got guys, um, you know, trying to be women who are ac- warning violence. And it's like, buy guns. We're coming after you. You know, this is, this is a war. And they're, they're, they're declaring war on, on regular citizens that we have to, uh, you know, create a, a civil right a- around somebody's, you know, surgery and drug use. Uh, this, right. that's, that's the really scary part. And we had a trans person on the show. Uh, I think it was last week or the week before. And we're going to talk about this more. We talk about we have we have a new progressive socialist warrior connection in San Francisco who I think knows uh, AOC. So <laughs> well, I'm going to ask if we can get AOC on the show. Would Would you well, want to I be guess, in on that okay. one, Jonathan?
3: <laughs> I wouldn't feel I wouldn't feel safe. I would feel. Okay. Oh, I man. would
1: feel. I want. Like, I want you to feel safe. I mean, my your safety is is is, is in fact all, of, all the all the listeners to the show. We should all feel safe to say the really outrageous, controversial things that we say here every day. So I want to create an atmosphere of safety. I want everybody to feel safe. I feel
2: safe. I agree with Jonathan. That's what Corey Bush re- reported when she took her first office that was across from. Uh, Marjorie Greene, she said she wanted oh, to right. be moved because she was hit.
1: Right, right. right. What, she didn't want to be next to the white woman? Is that what happened? Come on, tell, tell the truth. What was going on there?
2: Yeah, that's it. Marjorie <laughs> Greene was an evil, dangerous uh, white woman. And, and the Democrats probably
3: think her entire staff is packing heat. Yeah. <laughs> they probably are,
1: <laughs> and, and rightly so. <laughs> Right. But you see, now there's. Um, I said that sarcastically for a reason because the Republicans would never say that, being being castrados, all of them, uh, except for the women. Um, but they would never say that. Marjorie Taylor Greene immediately said, "Oh, she just doesn't want to be near a white woman because she's racist." I mean, that would have been the perfect response. But they don't think like that. They don't think like us. They don't. They don't use the left's own arguments against them because they're not fast enough. I guess they're too scared to do it. They don't feel safe, you know, or they're worried about the leftist press or something like that. But you have to use this stuff. Besides, besides it's fun. Yeah. It's fun to call Cory Bush a racist. What? What?
3: Anyway, so it's all this. But but the thing, I mean, the Babylon Bee reports on (laughs) things like how uh, Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez died Mm -hmm. 2,171 times on uh, January 6th. (laughs) (laughs)
0: <laughs> and
3: the, the new oh that was it. The new forty four thousand hours of video
0: uh-huh.
3: Show show Alec show AOC dying like two thousand times. Yeah. And uh um and then then they say that they talk about her saying things in Congress about how she doesn't feel well about her ghost come back came back to say how she Well uh, you know, let me
1: ask you a question. Do you do you have a right to feel safe? No, no, Thank no. you um, You have a right to ask yourself, safe, but but – yeah. Go ahead, explain that one, Jonathan, because that's I think. That's well, really that's important. the thing
0: because
3: because well because because she's lying. the point is, she's just a drama queen. You know, she's just she's just like a high school, you know, junior high school, um, uh, you know, cheerleader type has learned how to manipulate people. And the the, the people who are really dumb and reprehensible is anybody who would fall for that crap.
0: Um, But
1: but the the bigger question, though, the the people say, I have a right to feel safe. Therefore, the government has to protect me. I have the right to take away your guns so that I feel safe. So I'm saying you don't have a right to feel safe. You have a right to make yourself safe. You have a right to be free of government intrusion to making yourself safe. But you can't use your feelings to affect my rights. It's like that thing that woman said earlier. Uh, I forgot who who she was. Maybe it was Rashida Tlaib. It, it, it sort of looks like her, but anyway, I think it was a different member of Congress. She says that your rights to your guns don't count. I have a right to my life, and I'm like, that's two totally separate things. They have nothing to do with each other. That's like saying I have, I, you know, I have a right to uh, fly to Paris for lunch, uh, and uh, and you can't, uh, you know, you can't uh, get a job that I don't want you to have. What? <laughs> You know, I mean, they're, 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 they're not sequiturs. They're, they're not connected. There's no relationship whatsoever to her right to life, which we all have, and our, our right to guns, which we all have. And you have both right. at the same and time. So
0: it's and like a the trans- same, they're, they're,
1: Go ahead.
3: It's like a transfer for people. Like if, if uh, Sarah wants to be called Steve,
0: mm-hmm.
3: it's like, okay, you can call yourself Steve. You have an absolute right to call yourself Steve. Sure. and i have an absolute right to call you gertrude <laughs> you know if you if you i mean the, the same right that gives you the, the right gertrude to defense. say i'm going to call myself steve now yeah you know is the same right that i have you know to call her matilda
0: i mean well, that's just that that
1: you know, I thought about this, too, because I've got I've got a, a, a trans progressive socialist warrior who's going to be hopefully on the show fairly often because I want to I want to get some insights into how these folks think, how they operate, what they do. And she's Well, he actually is really reasonable. Uh, and so but I but I'm not going to back down my stands one bit. I'm not changing a thing that I say, but, but, I, but I, you know, but nobody the way, nobody's telling. Mm-hmm.
3: No, but nobody's telling these people they can't call themselves Steve. It's just you can't tell me what to do.
1: Yeah, that's true. Yeah, and that's the and if, you, that's want, like if a, you want to put on the dress, dress. Yeah,
3: and and the latest thing. Well, not it's not really that much latest, but it's, it's the latest. You know, there's a Facebook meme that says I, I, I support the latest thing. Um, <laughs> and but it's, it's becoming <laughs> a noisy thing. Yeah. is you know, grown or elderly men, you know, dressing up as babies and wanting to be treated as a baby.
1: Oh, infantilism? Like,
3: well, is that what that's called? I, I, think, I think it's like age. you are calling them age, um, you know, tra- trans age.
1: Trans there. age? No, I saw something like this back yeah. on, on the Phil Donahue show back in the 70s. It's called infantilism, yeah. where grown men dress up in diapers because they want to feel safe. Right. So it's not really
3: new. It's just that making it into a big issue is new.
1: Well, see, and the I thing think is, a civil so, right is the problem. Go ahead, John. I want, right. uh, focus.
3: So yeah. what I'm saying is, if some if some man wants to wants to dress up and be a fool,
1: you know, mm-hmm. he has
3: the right. Um, but True. nobody's trying to say him. you you can't. You're not allowed to dress up as a baby. Mm-hmm. It's you know, it's like. But what we're saying, and and this is you know my legal analysis too, is like, okay, you do your thing and you leave me alone. You know, yeah, if you want to, yeah. if you want to, if, you, if you're a man and you want to say you're a woman, I don't care. Just leave the rest of us out of it.
1: Well, and know, also, that, that don't I think it's to, more than that, though, Jonathan. I think it goes to the fact that it's civil right. In other words, the, the trans groups, the, 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 you know, it's like there, there are gay folks that are non-political. Great. No problem. Don't care. Do what you want. You know, bond with who you want. Great. But don't force me to call your, your union a marriage. Uh, in the same way with the trans folks. It's like if you're a consenting adult and you want to have surgery and drugs to change, you know, permanently alter your body, great, I don't care, go for it. But don't claim that you're now a civil rights group because you've done something voluntarily um, to yourself and that now, I, and now you get special treatment for doing something voluntarily to yourself. That's the problem I have. I don't care what people do. Them. If they're consenting adults, of course, you got to leave the kids alone. But if you're, if you're an adult, a fully informed adult who is consenting to surgery and drugs, you know, to alter yourself, no problem. You can call yourself whatever you want, but you can't make that a civil right and a privilege and have us have to change our behavior and our will and our thought process to bend to you simply because you've made the decision to alter your body with drugs and surgery. That's where I draw the line. Right.
3: Well, and that's where I think the law should draw the line is that, and the way, the way I try to analyze it is your, your right to say I'm a porpoise is no mm-hmm. different from my right to say, but you're not. <laughs> you know,
0: they're,
3: they're, they're, the exact, they're the exact same right. Yeah. yeah. Is what All I'm right. trying to argue. and that's
1: No, I, mean, I think we agree you know, on this. It's just fun to explore these because you know, we, we have to anticipate. We need more leftists on the show so we can actually talk about these things. Well, i got a couple of more scandals <laughs> I want to talk about uh, or ask you a question. Oh, Piaki, do you have a point before I change the issue? I thought I heard something about Well,
2: you know, the, you know, you talk about the AOC. She's hypocritical. You know, she she complains about Fox, but don't say anything about Maxine Waters in many cases. Wow. Well, like right. yeah.
1: Hypocritical like these,
2: <laughs> Just like these prosecutors in these cities, these black female prosecutors. You mm-hmm. had a case where a black teenager stole a car. And ramsacks and uh, rams t uh, t-bones another car and kills a little baby and she just uh, dismissed it with a missing.
1: Oh, that's a murder. Right. It's a black thing. Yeah. Now there's two, there's two standards of justice. I mean, it's really you know we definitely talk about that. I want to take Johnson a little bit of time to explain what Sam Alito did. Methadone. Um, well, this, it's uh hard, This abortion you know, drug.
3: Yeah. You have to kind it's, of start it's legal with weeds. what
1: this is, yeah go ahead
3: you have to kind of start with the um a whole issue um unfortunately, what Sam Molito did is um is is write a dissent, but he um the, but but he is devastating in his analysis and and it's only a four page you know dissent, but it is well done. it's like you know my old i used to fight all the time with you know play fight whatever with mm-hmm. about christine o'donnell all the time about the fact that less is more i'd say we'll no her more, is show. more you keep talking about her bring um, her on sometime i'll see if i can she probably depends on whether she hates me this week or not um but um, <laughs> is that the criteria wow okay yeah maybe next week she'll you know be okay um okay. so um but, but the thing is so this is the i mean here's the thing and this is where of course one of the reasons why the law is hard and why why people don't understand it is because the media doesn't understand it, and what they're reporting makes no sense. There is a case. The listeners to this show will understand that that reg that led the Congress is the national legislature, but they've abandoned almost all their power to nameless, faceless, faceless bureaucrats who who were not elected and whose Identity will probably never know, and to you know to kind of put a fig leaf on that, they've got this thing called the Administrative Procedures Act, which says that when a government agency makes these decisions, they have to go through certain hoops, and that gets really complicated. So you know, so ironically, while nobody pays any attention to the stupid things that Congress does. There's actually a lot of litigation about the agencies following the Administrative Procedures Act. So, uh, apparently, um, there are two abortion drugs, not one, and um, one of them was approved only about 20 years ago. But it was approved, you know. But it required that um, a woman go. I mean, a, a woman see a doctor four times before taking the, uh, you know, the abortion pill. Mm-hmm. And it's like most people don't understand that people say, oh, you know, the government shouldn't get between uh, a doctor and, you know, a woman and a doctor. The fact is, is that most of these people, you know, there'll be a doctor who's nominally in charge of a network of abortion clinics. Who's like maybe hundreds of miles away and never actually sees the, uh, the woman. Um, And uh, and this is before there was, you know, Zoom or something like that. So so that's sort of a, a, you know, a fiction. But um, so then the Biden administration decided to make it something you could get by mail. And there were a lot of good reasons for that because, um, you know, who knows what happens in the mail? Who knows who got it? Who knows who, um, I mean, any drug. Has, has ups and downs. It's just a chemical. You know, my father was a doctor. The te- a chemical doesn't know what it's supposed to be doing. It's just a chemical. It knows nothing. And it, you know, has some effect on the body. And, um, you know, it, it's, it's if you if you just give it to somebody, um, you know, a lot of the times it's going to, you know, you have to know more before you can say whether it's, whether it's safe under these particular circumstances, so the question is whether or not the FDA went through the proper procedures to justify um, whether or not um, you know it is the safe application of of that medication. Just to send it with, uh, who knows if if you know if it went through the mail, if it did if it was it sent to somebody who maybe. Who wasn't intended for, or maybe somebody who has an illness that um, that is not being taken into account.
1: Uh, that's what thing. what if so, it's sent to a parent that wants the, their kid's child aborted, and the child and the and the kid wants, it, like a teenage girl wants to keep the kid. Uh, you know, I mean, you don't know where these drugs are going or what's going to happen with them. You just mail order them? Well, I don't right. think so. I mean, it's just and, like and, a worst case scenario. Possible. I just thought of, yeah.
3: And it's and it's possible that the drug that the, that the other person getting it could have uh, some medical condition that would be contraindicated, as they say, for the use of the drug. Mm-hmm. Um, so anyway, so the thing is that lawsuit is is ongoing. Now you'd never know it from the the news media, you know, unless you really read carefully. This this is just a preliminary step inside that litigation. Um, so the. Um the states and in Genko Laboratories versus Alliance for Hippocratic medicine um asked for a stay while the case is pending and this whole hoopla has been as it often is, it's about a preliminary uh step which is you know preliminary in the sense that it's pre it's premature is what it is because the they got the, gut, the the courts don't really know much about what's actually going on. It's so preliminary. And so there's this big fight about whether or not to allow the abortion drug to continue to be used under the new interpretation of the rule um, while the courts are trying to figure out um, what to do ultimately with it. And so the the Supreme Court... uh, Decided to you know to preserve the status quo while the lower courts are trying to figure it out. And what what Alito did is he he issued a um, uh, dissenting opinion. Now like like apparently let's see hold on. Um, I mean it looks like you know what happened to Amy Amy uh, came, Tony Barrett and.
1: Okay, just oh the three stooges? Yeah, the, 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 I call, that's what I call the the uh, Trump's appointees, the three stooges: Amy Coney Barrett, Neil Fratboy, uh, no uh, Kavanaugh, no, and was what's his mm-hmm. first name? No, James. Who was who's his first Kavanaugh? What is it? Brent, Brent Kavanaugh. Brent Kavanaugh. Okay, so so Frat Boy Kavanaugh, uh, Amy Coney Barrett, and Neil Gorsuch, who's Ann Gorsuch's kid, so he's been in government his whole life and is, his his uh, parents' life. Um, they're the three stooges. They are not conservative. They yes. all came from the, the Federalist Society, which is probably the Rhino Society. I don't even know who they are. Um, but they, they're the three of the it, worst. It,
3: it, absolutely. No, I mean, that's the best way to put it. It is, okay. you know, it is the Rhino Court Society. The Federalist
1: oh, Society. Okay. Yeah, they're terrible.
3: Um, <laughs> I mean, they're, they're absolutely so awful. Only Thomas, he, only Thomas and Alito mm-hmm. would have denied the stay. That means seven, you know, the other seven... Or, or, you know, where the hell, or, you know, did not stand out to be counted. Um, but the thing is, what Alito did is he ripped the rampant inconsistency, which I've alluded to, but he, you know, I've never heard the dissent go go so difficult. He says, you know, he goes into, into chapter and verse here about how... Um, you, you, we can't just deny a stay without analyzing it and explaining what we're doing and, and having a reason
0: mm-hmm.
3: and um, and he points out specific cases where um, the um, maintaining a stay was ripped was you know was criticized by the the left um, in all these different ways like, in a third case this is a quote at uh, lido. And in a third case in which a stay was granted, we were condemned for not exhibiting the restraint that was supposedly exercised in the past and for not resisting the government's effort to shortcut normal process, Barbie East Bay Sanctuary Covenant, which I guess is an immigration um, case. I'd have to look it up. So, so he, he, just, he just exposes the fact that, um, you know, the law is a magic trick. It's like, don't, you know, look over here. Don't look, you know, don't look over there. And and it hides what's really, it's really going on. So, um, the, uh, so he says, at present, the applicants are not entitled to a stay because there has been not been shown that they are likely to suffer irreparable harm. Uh, I don't know about that. The applicants claim that re- regulatory chaos would occur due to an alleged conflict between the relief awarded in these cases and the relief, provided by a decision of the United States District Court for the Eastern District of Washington. That's a lead so that,
1: that's, that's what I heard, though. The district court stopped. So, so there was a suit against the, the FDA, and they didn't, they didn't approve it properly under Administrative Procedures Act or what you were saying. Then a district judge in Texas said, okay, well, while this procedure is going on, I'm going to put a stay so no methopristone can be sold. And then the Supreme Court has, like, stayed the stay. They said, no, you can't put the stay on. You can't do that. This stuff's going to be sold as usual until it's settled. So this is the, the big question I have, is when there's a case, you know, if a case is, is damaging, let's just say illegal aliens, right? So another, uh, or, or the, the, let's say the Texas election case. So the Texas election case, you know, Brandon, uh, it's, in other words, he'll be president until the Texas election case overturns him, or is he withheld from office until that's settled? So in other words, do you hold before uh, the case is resolved, or you wait until after? You know, in other words, that's what I think is okay. happening.
3: Well, well but that's, it, it, that's a good example of um, okay. of the four factors that are supposed to be considered. Was that Pianchi? Or were, you, were I cutting you off?
1: No, was it was just me. It, but Pianchi, we should ask. Pianchi, do you have a comment on this? Because that's what it seems to be. There was a stay put on by the Texas court uh, while this procedure. In other words, the, the, the FDA is being sued, point one. Um, because they didn't, they didn't follow the procedure properly. Judge says, okay, well, while, this, while, this is going, while the FDA approval is being challenged, we're not going to let this stuff be sold. Then the Supreme Court said, no, you can't do that. And Alito says, descended from that, no. Saying, yeah, you can. You know, the, we can't let this stay stand. We're not, going to, we're not going to get rid of it. That's how I interpret it. Well, well, like, that's, what, that, that's what it like, seems to me. Am I wrong? When
3: I was in law school and we read really old cases, um, you know, to supposedly be settled law. Um, uh-huh. The um, you know the, the the biggest insult a judge could give another judge uh, is that his opinion was a results-oriented opinion,
0: Ooh. which
3: they meant as you know you make up your mind ahead of time what you want and then you mm-hmm. kind of get the result you want. Yeah, and that was like considered like you know. That, that, that the height of dishonor and deceit. Mm-hmm. That's it. You know, if you if you told a judge that his... I imagine if you told a judge that he had a results-oriented decision, he'd like be compelled to meet you at dawn
1: for with, 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 with potential. <laughs> yeah. But it's like so, what we call uh, conclusions-based evidence, like global warming. In other words, the studies for yeah. global warming, the only ones they pay for are the ones that conclude the, that there's global warming. So it's conclusion based, uh, you know, evidence. Same thing here. It, it's like a verdict based decision. So they, they they come up with their verdict and then they work their way back. Uh, so so the abortionists want mifepristone so that I think it's like over half the abortions in this country are with this drug. And the other one's progesterone, as I understand it. So mifepristone kills the baby uh, by cutting off oxygen, uh, and then this uh, progesterone uh, induces labor and uh, you know they expel the, the now dead baby. It's it's a horrible process. Mm-hmm. I mean you, you know when you and, and But the, the left well, wants this because they want this drug sold while the court case is going on. And the district judge says, no, you can't sell this drug while the case is going on. Because while the case go- is going on, it's not approved. <laughs> that's, that's how I see it. Jonathan. Yeah. Am, or it's not clear that it's approved. I mean, it was approved
3: oh, by the FDA. But they're right. saying that, that you, the FDA did not go through the proper procedure. Therefore, it's not approved.
1: Not approved. Okay. Now,
3: Their approval is invalid because they didn't mm-hmm. go through the steps.
0: Hmm.
3: Required. Um, they, you know, they didn't. They didn't evaluate. You know, because cause if you think about, it, like, you know, if you um, uh, you're gonna, we're, we're gonna run out of time and, and be talking about sex here. So I'll make a, review. There was a
1: TV <laughs> well, show
3: like MOD.
1: We're kind of peripherally like in the in the ballpark, actually, right now with abortion. show. I think yeah. I,
3: uh-huh. I think the TV show is Golden Girls or Maud or something like that. And a bunch uh-huh. of old women were talking, and they said, and then they said, you know, suppose you had to explain sex to a Martian? And uh-huh. they stopped for a second, and then they all started laughing. They're like, you know, how would you explain this to to a Martian? Um, the, um,
1: how would you um, assume they wouldn't know?
3: <laughs> you know, I mean. Well, I don't, but it's just it was just a, it was just an interesting uh, yeah. way to look at. Well, it. So if you tried to does, explain, how, if, yeah. if someone had nothing, someone had no dogs in the fight in terms of, in terms of politics. If you said, okay, this drug interferes with the oxygen flow to the Mm -hmm. fetus. well, that wouldn't be potentially dangerous to the mother. Would it, you know, a (laughs) a drug whose function is to, is to, is to interfere with oxygen. Oh, what could go wrong?
0: Yeah.
3: You know? Um, so you might want to like, take a, take a closer look at this. um, so so anyway so but but you you use the example what they're supposed to do for a stay now a stay is very hard to get okay. um, a preliminary injunction and things like that mm-hmm. um, because what you're supposed to do is show that um, we think there's a strong chance that uh, the plaintiffs are going to, are going to win at trial um, now that turns into that becomes really bizarre because that means you, you're engaged in a mini trial. To, to predict what will happen at the full trial. Now, I realize that regulatory things may not necessarily be before a jury, but we're just using the trial loosely. loosely. Um, they, uh, you know, at the end of the case, we're trying to guess what we're going to do at the end because mm-hmm. the idea is like, well, I'm not going to put on a stay for something that's completely frivolous. But it ends up becoming this bizarre process where they're trying to pretend You know that we know what's going to happen when this goes to the truck to the, you know the full full blown case, and so so anyway so here, you know the question the question is whether the temp stays and preliminary injunctions are often significant to the extent that they signal what what the um, court thinks about the underlying case. So if you know if the Supreme Court thought that there was no chance that the FDA in Danko Laboratories is going to prevail, then they would have denied, they would have overturned the stay. Hmm. If they said, "Well, this is going nowhere. They're clearly in the wrong. There's there's no chance that they're going to win this lawsuit." So, so. Um, well, who's Danko Laboratories?
1: Uh, does Danko Laboratories make the drug, or are yeah are so well, the
3: thing is, remember that a lot of these... Who's suing
1: the FDA then? Have- oh, the Alliance. It's the Doctors' Alliance that's suing the FDA. It's a yeah, pro-life the doctors' time, Well,
3: no. Yes. By the time it gets up to the appellate court, the, the order of, of parties is often switched. So. Um, oh. But um, depending on who's the appellant. But oh. um, there's also usually a long string of plaintiffs and defendants. So the, the 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 named party is not the only party. Et
1: okay.
3: um, anyway, so, al,
1: or whatever they put so, in.
3: <laughs> hmm?
1: They had et al, in other words, with everybody or whatever that, right. that expression. Yeah, at is. All yeah.
3: all means there's, there's, there's others. But okay. so so this is you know, the other thing you you raised. For example, <laughs> is they have to evaluate irreparable harm,
0: mm-hmm.
3: which is also you know incredibly subjective, because what they're saying is that. Um, you know, let's say that. You know, and I, I think I'm, I'm not. I, I don't quite agree with Alito on that because whether it's right or wrong, it's like if somebody. Well, again, it, you know, they. Many people would say, well, you know, being, you know, having a child is not a harm. Um, you could also say, well, no, it's it's not irreparable because you could put this baby up to adoption for the people are on the long long waiting list, but they would analyze it's irreparable harm. So let's say, for example. You use the example of Texas v. Pennsylvania about mm-hmm. the election. You know, well, if we had no president, but I was actually interviewed uh, October, or, you know, or November by RT, which is a um, Russian. You know, I don't think well. I don't think it's as proven. There's more evidence that uh, NPR is government funded and government controlled than. Than there is RT, but, but it's still seen as a government-sponsored um, thing. And and they asked like, "Will there be a president on January 20th? And uh, we were running. The out answer term, is no. Said, yeah.
1: <laughs> the answer is still no.
3: <laughs> no, there were. Well, we don't have a real president, but but, but our system is set up. Uh
0: uh-huh.
3: It has so many so many methods by which a dispute is resolved. Uh huh. So that um, I said, yes, there will be a president. It may be the wrong president, Mm -hmm. but there will be someone who fills fills the the bill. Mm -hmm. So if if you're going to say, well, if I put in this stay, that means that there will be no president. The office will be vacant. Traditional analysis would say, well, that is is a very disruptive result. So that argues Mm -hmm. against putting on a preliminary injunction or stay or temporary restraining order or anything like that. Because that would be, you know, the uh, um, that would be a, a great burden or a great um, difficulty.
1: Um, yeah, but the counter I, argument but, is that, uh, that irreparable harm can be done if you let a person who is ultimately going to be judged to not be allowed to be there because they're a fraud and they stole the government could do irreparable harm in the meantime. And look at all the executive orders passed on the first day uh, by Brandon who did them all illegally. So, so you either have oh, a country without a president you did, while you settle you this. Me
3: think of, you make me think right. of an interesting point. Why did he do oh. him on the first day?
1: Well, they had them all lined up Why and ready to go. That's part of the coup, yeah, because they wanted to reverse yeah, Trump as, also, as quickly as possible. Uh huh.
3: If he gets removed, you know, if he doesn't get, you know, may as well get them done while he can. Yes. Um But, but anyway, so, so, but, but so that's that's where it gets really subjective,
0: mm-hmm.
3: you know, and and so. You know the, the the judges make it sound like science when it's more like they're in the back room throwing dungeons and dragon <laughs> dice um they,
1: well yeah uh, you know do you leave a bad law so in effect it's, it's like do you leave an unconstitutional law in effect while you're deciding the case like the gun case the new york gun case would be a perfect example and i forgot what happened to that did they allow the free access of firearms like the constitution says during the whole course of that new york gun trial or did they leave the law in place until it was officially overruled? I think that's the question I on most know. cases, isn't it?
0: Well, it is. Okay. So
3: somebody, let's say that somebody, they have a gun case. Somebody suffers a bank a break-in and they die while they're waiting to decide the case.
0: Mm-hmm.
3: That's an irreparable harm.
0: Mm.
3: You know, but it, it sounds very subjective. So, So that's what... So what illegal? I mean, the, the main thing that Alito did, although it's very good reading, even though it's only four pages, is but it's dense. That's why I say it's densely written. It's uh, it's well written and very short. So less is more. But um, they uh, um, what he did was was turn a giant spotlight on the you know the hypocrisy going on in the in the courts and. Uh,
1: no,
0: I you agree know, with you. This,
1: anyway. Yeah, no, this is this is this would be a good time for Dorothy to call in. Dorothy, call in, <laughs> and there she is. She literally popped up on the screen. Oh, it's o'clock My goodness. But, yeah, uh, yeah, we are. Yeah, ten o two actually your time. It's uh, or ten o one. I got I got ten o one on my I got nine o one on my computer because I'm Central Time. This is a perfect hour. Right. I mean, we covered exactly what we wanted to cover. There's, there's more to do. Obviously, there's always more to do. But uh, this worked out really well. Um, anything? Any announcements, Jonathan? Anything coming up that we should know about?
3: Oh there's always something coming, you know, coming up. Um the uh well, there are a lot of issues that that we have sort of sidelined we should come back, circle back to. Them. Um
0: so Okay. We're gonna the make other it.
3: thing you want to uh, was the wire was the was the indictment of, of Hunter Biden. Now, Larry Klayman is has had a citizen, citizens grand jury and has indicted uh James Joe Biden, Hunter Biden, and James Biden by a citizen's court, which has the practical effect of simply showing, you know, being able to hand it to a real prosecutor and say, here, we did your work for you. Yeah. Um,
1: That's what we do all the time with our legislation. (laughs) Our whole system, Action Radio, is based on entirely that, is giving bills to Congress and say, we did your work for you. Here's the bill that you need to pass. Yeah. Let's. uh, Right. I I, I just need announcements, though, because I want to get to Dorothy. Um, so I don't want to, but this would be a great topic for next week. The whole citizen grand jury would be perfect. If you want to make a note and remind me.
3: No, absolutely. Um, and, um, <clears throat> it, it's a big, it's a big deal. And and I think that even, you know, even, I mean, the whistleblower, although it's funny how we have this whistleblower that still hasn't blown the whistle yet. Um, they, um, but um, but anyway, so they are, um, you know, the, the the government. I mean, of course, of course, the um, the Kremlin. I assume she hasn't called in yet.
1: So I'm. Talking. No, she has called in. I told um, you she she popped up a minute, three minutes ago. I'll, the, all I want is announcements. We got to pick these up next time. Uh,
3: <laughs> so we, right, we got to get we'll, moving. We'll, yeah. uh, we'll do it next time. Then. But okay. But 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 the thinking is is that they're trying to get rid of Biden on the twenty four twenty four ballot. And so they're actually going to go after Hunter. <clears throat> that's the thing. That's the guesswork.
1: Okay. Let's, I got a couple of other things I want to talk to you about too, but we got, we got to switch from politics to sex. It's been fun. Um, so we'll catch you next week, Jonathan. Thank you, sir.
3: All right. Thanks a lot. Thank you, bye. All right.
1: And here we go. Sex. Everybody talks about it. Some of you are even doing it, but Are you really talking to the person you are doing it with? It all comes down to communication. That's where Dorothy Diana comes in. Dorothy is a sexual health nurse educator. She has studied hypnotherapy, Reiki, and many other disciplines. And what is sex without sensuality? Something has to light your afterburner. Join us now for a sometimes very frank and occasionally quite descriptive conversation of sex and sensuality with Dorothy Diana. Oh, my favorite part of the week! This is always so much fun. Hi, Dorothy.
4: <laughs> Hi. How are you?
1: I'm having a great time. We've uh, I've done my my rant for the first hour. Uh, we went over complicated legal weed stuff in the second hour. Now it's your turn. So I'm, I'm
4: Mondays yes, are fabulous. It's my turn. I love my
1: Mondays. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah.
4: Okay, so what I really want to talk about today, this came up when I was teaching a group of ladies this week, and we're kind of discussing, you know, the movement of the woman's body and the natural movement into the hips and the curves, and when did the, in modern times, when did a woman's natural body movements become more masculine, because it definitely did, and... um, well, and it's sort of encouraged. Yeah, it's encouraged by culture. So when I say masculine, I mean more originating from the legs and feet, walking, walking that originates from the legs and feet versus the hips and um, walking at a faster pace, getting from point A to point B quickly versus, you know, meandering, ambling, chatting, um, wandering. So there's a lot to that. But in course yeah, I think we're discussion. kind of starting in the middle
1: of the story here. Let's—we uh, need to back up a little bit and talk about movement in general. As I never thought of mm-hmm. of of movement as as masculine or well, I mean, yeah, there obviously you know women move like women and guys move like guys. At least I hope so. Mm-hmm. Um, but for, but how did where where did this movement analysis come from? I think we need to uh, backstep a bit.
0: Why,
4: well, what caused your curiosity? Analysis. Uh-huh. so for me what what I teach is i I help women get back into their feminine body and their feminine spirit, so uh-huh. that's very multi layered but for movement for the actual physical movement technique, a woman's body is made differently. the joints are looser, the hips are larger obviously there's more weight in different there's weight in different areas and a uh-huh. natural woman's movement if you look at um indigenous cultures or look at Um, archaeological data. I mean, there's a lot of evidence. Women's natural movement is much more curvaceous, slow, um, undulating, loose.
1: And we love you
0: for it,
4: too. (laughs) (laughs) Not necessarily focused on a goal, but focused on what it's doing at the present moment.
0: Mm-hmm. Um, and it just
4: o- overlaps a woman's physical movement versus a man's overlaps in energetic also and in an energy. So it's really interesting. Um, mm-hmm.
1: You know, what I just thought of
0: mm-hmm.
1: gymnastics, yeah. right? Especially mm-hmm. with the whole trans thing where, where you got dudes trying to be women, uh, or you know, mm-hmm. and, and lifting weights and doing all kinds of stuff. But you look at gymnastics, all right? The the exercises in gymnastics are totally different between men and women. Which is like the swimming events are the same, you know the, the track and field are the same. I mean, the the results are different between men and women, but basically the events are the same. But you look at gymnastics, you've got women who do uneven parallel bars, which is my favorite to watch, uh, the balance beam, which is mm-hmm. horrifying, but women do it anyway. <laughs> this is a scary thing. Uh, the floor exercises. Gymnastics exercise is, is a very
4: masculine, a very masculine form of movement, whether it's women or men doing it. It's very masculine.
1: Yeah, but then you look at the masculine events, the high bar, the rings. What um, are some of the other things that guys do in gymnastics? I think they both do floor exercises. Um, I, I'm guessing, but I am, I'm not a, you know, I think the vault is, maybe the vault is similar men and women. But you've got a couple of events that are totally different. In other words, women can do, I, have you ever seen a guy do the uneven par- women's parallel Women's bodies bars, are
4: different than men's. Women's right. bodies are different than men. And uh-huh. there's a lot of overlap in spectrum there. So. But we recognize that, brains, though. I mean, women's it's brains are different yeah. than men's brains. And there's yeah. a lot of overlap also. And there's more overlap the more we pollute our waters and food. Yeah. But as far as women's body movement, gymnastics actually is very masculine across the board. So we can discuss oh, okay. that that in further. But anytime there's um, a lot of uh, rigid, limited um, rules on the movement, specific technique, um, emphasizing um, strength, finishing a movement to completion in a particular way, th- this is very masculine. Um, Energy. So I'll, I think it's lovely that they separate the two uh, into male and female, you know, gymnastics. But it's essentially a very male movement. So so a lot of women grow up in this culture, being offered ballet, being offered gymnastics, being offered um, these movements, which actually are not are not really feminine in nature because of because of the rules and the tightness and the um, structure and the choreography and the performance space. So what I'm interested in is freedom of movement in a natural, intuitive feminine way, where we get to sink into our femininity both physically and energetically, and wow. um, and that looks like it looks like when you're when a woman's doing that fully, it can look like erotic dancing. So there's a lot of overlap between erotic dancing um, and just deeply central feminine movement. In our current culture, we associate erotic and exotic dancing with um, strippers. With trying to seduce men, you know, um, but that is not that's not the actual origin. So, in the course of discussing this with the women, we were I'm like, "Gosh, when did that happen? When did breasts become naughty? When did when did you you know you can't put your hand on your own vulva? When did um, you know the vulva became become dirty instead of like revered and beautiful? And then also, when did moving like this and moving like this become? Um, a symbol of a Jezebel or a hussy or someone who just wants to turn men on. And so, you know, you What's can actually go back and on? look and nothing. It's lovely. Yet that wasn't the original goal. The original goal okay. of erotic dancing wasn't to seduce men, it was to um, generate this amazing, mag- well, there's a few things, <laughs> which is so exciting. It's to generate this amazing magical energy that, that, that we've defined, different religions and different cultures have called it something else since the beginning of time. Um, currently, we're calling it manifestation energy. We're calling it root chakra energy. There's a lot of hot topic words for the pelvic area of a woman and the um, sacred energy that, that, that is generated when that region is happy. And fully evolved and the the Chinese energy of chi is flowing up and down correctly. And so um, there's a lot of different words, but that that knowledge that there's a really strong energetic um, power to that area of a woman's body goes back so far, it is Hmm. really fascinating. Um, Hmm. They found a statue, have you ever heard of the statue, um, the Venus of um, Willendorf?
1: I've heard of Venus de Milo, but I don't know of Venus of uh, where where you said.
4: Uh, The the Venus of Willendorf statue, they think it's 30,000 B.C. that came from upper Paleolithic Paleolithic age, 30,000 B.C. It's so fascinating, and it's this highly exaggerated stone statue of a woman's body, um, very suggestive of fertility. Um, The way she's posing is very sexy, but... She's full everywhere. Um, and Maybe
1: it, and that was uh, common to women of, of that time. I mean, how do you know? Maybe it well, wasn't exaggerated so for I the time. I don't know
4: because it's not my specialty. So I rely on the anthropologists that, that analyzed it, and they combined it with other knowledge from that period. And hmm. the, um, the, the takeaway that has been widely accepted and not, not too much up for debate, these experts who study this say that it's, um, it was a fertility goddess which is interesting because that's 30,000 BC. So the knowledge that, that we will honor and revere this exaggerated feminine shape because it brings us abundance is what I'm, what I'm going with this. Mm -hmm. And, um, and then further, you know, Middle Eastern, like ancient Middle Eastern cultures, the women were dancing with each other on a regular basis in, in very exaggerated hip, hippie, um, movements, hip, hipful movements. And this was to generate fertility in, in the tribes and to generate, um, and it well, was only, thing, uh, you
1: don't have, yeah. yeah, but it'd be interesting yeah. to look. <laughs> so how far back does it go that, uh, you know, like the whole, if I can get kind of graphic, like the whole concept of, of rape as opposed to, you know, seduction or mm-hmm. lovemaking as opposed to taking, you know, somewhere along the way in our evolution as, as human beings, you know, something mm-hmm. changed and we went from brute force mm-hmm. to mm-hmm. revering, you know, you look at uh, mm-hmm. you know, the animals out there, you know, there, there's <laughs> not, not, not a whole lot of sensuality out there. Um, but then again, you know, it's well, like the males so, try to kill each yeah. other and, the, the you know, to fight for the females. It's a really interesting system. But somewhere along the way, we evolved and we said, okay, so we're not going to revere each other. We're now going to, you know, we're going to go from, from rape to lovemaking. You know, the, everything gonna, changes. I mean, I'd love
4: to talk about that. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah. Okay. So,
4: So it looks like, now there's a wonderful book that I think everyone should read, no matter what your interest is in in life, because it will speak to, it speaks to such, it's so profoundly revealing of current knowledge of um, the evolution of sexuality Mm -hmm. versus what we were told in the past 50 years. This book is rather new. It's called Sex Before Dawn. I think it came out, gosh, uh, I'm not going to look it up right now, but I remember when I read it, just my jaw dropped it blew my mind they did an excellent job these researchers really gathering the skeletal all the anthropological uh, anthropological evidence skeletal dna um ancient texts and they did a great long summary detailed summary of of the history of sexuality so um i hmm. i this it resonated as true they did their work so well it was did not have a lot of bias in it at all and um what they came up with Generally, and um, I'd like everyone to read the book and not take my word for it because I read it, gosh, ten years ago. But um, this is Christopher Ryan, the author, uh, and they, he has a radio show right now. Actually, it's very interesting. Um,
1: Bring him on. Let's let's get him on. You know me. <laughs> I, I, I like to talk to everybody. It'd be interesting.
4: So okay, what the point? I was yeah. I get sidetracked, so I get excited. But this Sorry. book, um, in, in answer to your question about the history of rape, um, this book basically threw everything on its head and said, we were actually matriarchal, egalitarian. Um, sex was used as connection between tribes as connection. You know, there was even some um, forms of um, women on women, it, but not necessarily for sexual pleasure, more just for connection. It, sex blended with everything else. It was like breathing. And, and I, and their, their take, and I don't want to, um, gosh, anybody could call in and argue with me on this. Cause this is just my, my takeaway from it was, that it literally was was like breathing, and the, and it's so different from how we see it today. We see it today as very subjugated, separated from.
0: See, um, I see it the
1: old way. I mean, I'm, I'm, I must be a, mm-hmm. I must be an ancient person because I I see sex as, as everything from from you know that it is breathing. I mean, your your sexual energy is your energy, you know, it's all part of who we are, and so I don't make that separation, that compartmentalization. You know, I think that's why relationships fail because he's like we're having sex now we're not having sex now. So what are you talking about? You know, you're handholding, you're flirting, you're talking, you're, you know, your eye contact. everything It's all sex to a lesser it or all, greater degree.
0: So, so
4: why would you separate them? Yeah, go ahead. Right. And so this it's is healthy sexuality. Healthy sexuality right. was, is our innate um, birthright. It is who we truly are as humans. Rape culture comes about when there's obviously, I'm going to say it toxic masculinity. That's a real thing. When you, when you emphasize war and God's, and you emphasize owning land more than someone else, when you emphasize, you know, there's a fear of lack, there's a fear of not enough, when you start having all those energies enter human consciousness, now you have a lot of ugliness that comes along with it. One is rape. And um, I think the earliest, uh, gosh, earliest history or stories of rape I think 900 BC again here we are after the agricultural revolution so we have the agricultural revolution occurred um, what 5000 BC always correct me I'm not a history um, expert but Mm -hmm. that's where we see a lot of changes happening in the gods and goddesses so no longer do we have fertility goddesses as much no longer do we have mostly goddesses we have more of the male god the the singular male god that emphasizes war and and obtaining women for status um the need to have marriage so a woman isn't destitute with her children all like a lot of these ideas that really aren't very favorable to women or to um, relationships and and um, higher human consciousness in general started around after agriculture. She's revolution. saying men are lower They're human consciousness.
1: This is what it sounds um, like. No, no, That's the opposite. No. Yeah. Okay. Just, just check
4: But lower, a lot of these energies that, that are a lower human consciousness, not a higher one began. And again, this is my take. And I love these debates. If everyone wants mm-hmm. to say something different. Seems to happen after the agricultural revolution, after we were hunter gatherers living per the current, um, knowledge anthropological data living actually pretty peacefully this whole image of of blood and warring and there wasn't enough food and we had to war with tribes i mean there might have been a tiny bit but generally speaking it was very peaceful existence prior to agricultural revolution
1: um so you think agri- yeah, so hunter gathering was peaceful and agriculture caused the the, the change well that's
4: that's very simplistic. I know, right? We were raised to think <laughs> that the hunter gatherers were bloody savage. So the hundreds of peaceful ones. And okay, here the you hear that, folks? revolution. The the us and now we, yeah. yeah. So according okay. to the current knowledge, and again I'd love people to call in and argue with me, and this is a Why, topic I, I love so yeah. much because I think when we get a handle on what we are lied to about versus what the data actually shows, we can begin to process, huh? How are we meant to meet? What, what makes peaceful, evolved humanity the best? Um, and so that is another component of it. Like the lies we were told about hunter-gatherer populations, indigenous populations yeah. being so brutal versus our wonderful modern civilization, um, it seems to be the opposite in many ways. And, mm-hmm. and one of the ways is the view on women and dancing and sexuality and our bodies um, and, and rape and what sex is and what it should and shouldn't be, right? Mm-hmm. mm-hmm.
0: No,
1: I agree, but I disagree with you on the term toxic masculinity because masculinity is not mm. toxic. So if you want to no pick another term, But
4: there is a to- there is a toxic. Now, if you question, want to talk about I mean, toxic, you, there's, a toxic, toxic also. there's a toxic. But but when yeah, I when you ask me specifically like term, about rape, uh... but you ask okay, so about rape, rape okay, so rape is toxic.
1: rape is definitely toxic. But it's and to say, women uh,
4: don't don't rape. I mean, that's the the percentage of women that rape and kids that rape is tiny. It's, it's minus uh-huh. two. It's almost non-existent. So I'm going to call it what it is. And I'm not going to I'm not going to blow smoke up anyone's butt. I'm going to call it what it is. Rape is generally performed by men, and I don't think men I don't think a healthy man wants to do that. I think they're influenced by the culture. That's intentional. No, a healthy man, you know, uh, mm-hmm.
1: and I think of myself as a healthy man. Th- thinking about rape, you know, we get sick to our stomach. <laughs> that's what that's what a normal healthy man. Just yes. like uh, we talked mm-hmm. about that earlier, when when a normal healthy straight man sees like two guys kissing on the movie screen, <laughs> that gets us, you know, we feel sick of that too. So it's just, but it's just. Well, because we are into things.
4: fertility, we're into a healthy masculine
1: provides uh-huh. and
4: protects for the women, the children, and the pets. It's a natural mm-hmm. instinct. It doesn't mean you have to go out and make money and bleed to the bone and give her all your money. That's not what I'm talking about. A natural, mm-hmm. healthy male instinct is to provide and protect. So when we see something sure. that counts as that, when the male something So rape is the opposite of that. that yeah. You know, rape is
1: the complete opposite, so, but, it's not ta- but it's not masculine. It, raping is not masculine. In fact, it's very cowardly. It's very unmasculine. Uh, okay. It's extremely so violent. One,
4: people, The humans that commit rape happen to be male. And um, it is well, that, a form now, is of biological? masculinity.
1: Well, let's think okay. about that for a second. I've got Mark on the Netherlands who's... Uh I got, I got Marco okay. in the Netherlands who's talking about this too you know so, and he's, he's listening what he went well Marco go to go to Dorothy Dinah's Facebook page if he's looking for a visual for some of the stuff we're talking about there really isn't a lot of it for for radio, so folks are listening to the podcast uh, Dorothy Dinah does have a Facebook page and that's where the post is that originally kicked off this discussion um, but uh, he says you know it doesn't mean it doesn't happen uh, talking about women raping yeah it's I mean biologically men rape because biologically that's i you know this the, those are the physiology the physiology how would women rape, rape guys there is uh, something than...
4: but, but 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 greg there is something that occurs as a youth grows up whether it's cultural whether it's lack uh-huh. of a healthy father whether uh-huh. it's there's a million reasons there's a, a, several common reasons why a male can grow up and consider rape and pillaging because it goes together rape pillaging uh-huh. taking taking versus mm-hmm. generating a healthy society, making his, um, making his contribution be uh, one of providership protection and community health so mm-hmm. that it goes awry. It goes awry in youth due to certain right. reasons. And there might be some chemical reasons to genetic, but it's mostly like environmental, I think. I, I think it's nurturing. lack of
0: father. And yeah,
4: something, but yeah you're right. And, but something goes awry one and right. that masculine drive, that masculine energy becomes, I don't care if we call it toxic, let's call it some other word. It becomes maligned. It becomes damaging. It becomes, it, it, they define their masculinity by what they can have. How many women can I seduce? How many women can I have? How many women can I take? Like mm-hmm. instead of um, offering their gifts and having this wonderful, beautiful woman show up and say yes. They mm-hmm. take because they feel like they're not enough. So we can call it whatever you want. Toxic masculinity yeah, but it's not
1: masculine. kind it's of a trendy it, word it, right now. Here's what I don't want to get into. But it's it. masculine yeah.
4: energy. It is. It is a masculine energy gone awry, just like the feminine gone energy gone awry, awry yeah, also.
1: Is, yeah, yeah, this is what you got to focus on. Yeah, it's, it's because a lot of mm-hmm. times, because you don't hear about toxic femininity talked about. So what I want to get away from is labels. It's like when anybody says to me, white privilege. You know, I have extreme argument just because you're, you're mislabeling and you're causing right. a pejorative for an entire group of people. A rather large yeah, but
4: you asked about you did ask about rape, so so on rape, I, I did, can't avoid the fact I, that, it's, that it's a masculine offense. Well, of course, the, it's a masculine. It's an thing. offense but, by the know, masculine and, to the feminine that is that is violent and has nothing to do with actual sexuality, right? Exactly. Um, well, that's. And, we point can, but and I as you said, fatherless, yes, you, that's right. true. The father, like well, uh, a huge contributing factor.
1: I'm sure there've been studies. Uh, uh, we we should probably do a show on uh, this would be good to do a show and like get some psychological profiles. What kind of men do this? Because yes, Mm -hmm. it's done by men because physically men, you know, can. Uh, I don't know how Mm -hmm. women can, you know, but that's, that's, we can get into the, the, the physical. Well, women don't
4: want to either. We don't want to. We don't want to. No, we don't, we don't have a need, a biological inherent need to Mm -hmm. spread our eggs everywhere. We have a need to have one egg fertilized by an amazing man who's going to uh-huh. protect that egg. That's our need. So
1: right. we also don't have but also a have a need, drive to spread wait a minute eggs. why, why uh, no, no, no women have a need to be around powerful men. Women have a need you know security includes a really big house sometimes you know a lot of times oh, women are that. seen
4: that just means cleaning more cleaning to me <laughs> yes
1: the powerful <laughs> man funny. yes to the powerful man m-
4: not to the big house yeah
1: <laughs> but, but but how many you know like the the, the old Joshua Gogbor thing when where Sister Eva said you know she's a great housekeeper she. Gets divorced and she keeps the house you know so that's i mean there's, there's power oh. in many ways Do you know that my but, father was
4: friends with them with Jaja and eva really? back in yeah. hungary oh. yes that's my funny. father was it passed now many years but um they oh. were in his community and you know he was kind of wealthy and high status and blah 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 but um that's fascinating. i think that's so cute yeah he yeah. loved her oh, and yeah. Zsa Zsa. so mm-hmm.
1: so if women are gonna rape a guy they're usually gonna go to divorce court and just take everything <laughs> so you know there's different ways of looking at it but i wouldn't call that okay but you know, we well, yeah, were
4: talking about and, and, I, and that's, and that's fine. And and there is, oh, it's so sad. And this is a topic that is dear to my heart. There is definitely mm-hmm. a toxic, sad, damaged feminine energy that then, um, if a man that's healthy, well, actually a healthy man won't even mix up with it. He'll, he'll see, you know, we, we, we magnetize like, attract, like, right. But mm-hmm. today, because we're talking about the origins of erotic stance um, mm-hmm. just, I think the main point is that it was essentially to generate this amazing, magical, abundant mm-hmm. energy. And and, I, and on that, and, and that's what it was eons and eons ago, and it was taken away. It was transformed by this pyramidal, hierarchical, um, I'm not, I don't know how to say it, um, patriarchal. It is patriarchal. Well, because no, it was the it was, it was damaging masculine energy took the feminine, magical, abundant power. And in order to strip all of humanity of power, to disempower right. all of us, you can shift a beautiful sexual energy that's amazing and abundant. The woman
0: receives,
4: she's juicy, mm-hmm. she's open. Let's transform that, which makes men's testosterone levels go through the roof, makes them better fighters, makes them better protectors, makes mm-hmm. them, us more united. Let's take it and transform it into something disgusting and shameful. So now she, all the women hide all this, and it becomes something really gross and um, and, and shameful. So now yep. we no longer have that stimulation for the healthy men. It's now hidden. We have women everywhere hiding their amazing feminine energy. And, and the well, men are like that. lost and the men are now yeah. turning to other things, addictions. And there's so much here, Greg, let's just bring oh, the dancing yeah. back for God's sake.
1: <laughs> well, let me, let me, let me tell you <laughs> a few things that I wrote down as you were talking missionaries, mm-hmm. Islam and Puritans.
0: The mm, missionaries. Yeah. I've,
1: seen the, I've seen the James Clavel special in Hawaii. The first thing the missionaries did to all the naked Hawaiians was, you have to wear clothes. How dare you walk around naked? What are you thinking? What, you think that's the way God created you? Well, yeah, actually, he did. <laughs> you know, um, you know the, the, the old joke that if we were meant to run around naked, we'd be born that way. Uh, Islam, Middle Eastern man, terrified of women. I got to explore that with you sometime. Uh, and Puritans, mm. you know, no sex, no thought of sex. There is no sex with our society. Children are, you know, begotten, accidentally, maybe.
0: You know? mm-hmm, so there mm-hmm, there have mm-hmm. been
1: cultures, you know, so it seems like, in the, in, let's go back to the ancient, some of the matriarchal cultures, you know, where feminine energy. Mm-hmm. So if, if a woman is, is, is erotically dancing for herself, that's great feminine energy. If, uh, mm-hmm. you know, and, and if, if a guy observes this, they're thinking, you know, that'll inspire his masculine energy, the good part yeah. of that, you know. Okay. Absolutely. So that's a good yes, thing. It does. So I see both, you know I, mean? I see thing. everything in, yeah. in, in doubles. So who's to say You're that You're hundred percent
4: right. And this is why men go to strip clubs. Um, mm-hmm. You know, I have a friend who's a sober stripper actually, and she's a co-teacher. She works a out West. Sober
1: she... stripper. What's, what's that? I've never heard that term.
4: So, you know, what I teach is a form of erotic dance, but it's uh, trauma informed and it's um, very beautiful and helpful and get back into their bodies this way in a very safe, um sister tribe centered way however mm-hmm. some take it to their men some people do it whatever they want with it later but uh this particular teacher um was intentionally a sober stripper and has so I hope she writes a book because she has so much interesting information about um, I want
1: to talk to her too
4: what, what you men know me. are really looking for in strip clubs? Now, again, this huh. is a spectrum across the board. We're not talking about like a group of frat boys that are coming out drunk on, yeah, at 2 in the morning. We're talking well, about young, men that come. Well, when you're young, you do just
1: to say you did. <laughs> the reason young, I, I, is young. That's what I did. When I was 21, I went to a strip club. Just to say I went to a strip club start again Greg
0: strip <laughs> club
1: just because it was fun you go back to your your, your friends your, your dude friends hey dude I went to a strip club oh wow you're quite a man yeah. uh huh <laughs> but so that's that's, well, that's the early reason age to well you to get
4: in so there's a lot of right. status things that's the we... first reason but anyway and if we took but why do older men go to strip clubs? Of...
1: after a while so, you get uh... bored you know mm-hmm. yeah. okay right
4: so Tell me. what what she's found and what if you read about this it's interesting is that the reason men, a lot of men go regularly, especially is because they get are listened to they're paid attention mm. to they get to watch the feminine in her in her natural state of movement honestly um, really being free um, open sexuality being um, now if you go to a strip club, which I think would be a fun field trip, you can actually see um you can actually see a spectrum of women also. So you'll see, okay, there we go. I get off topic. Why do women go to
1: strip clubs? There's a great question. Why do okay. women Cause go to Because it's strip clubs? fun.
4: I used to go with my girlfriends, especially when I started S Factor back in Los Angeles, 20 years ago, when I started going okay. to S Factor, Sheila Kelly's um, program, we would go on little field trips every now and then. And I tell you, our perspective changed so much. We were um, the group of ladies who were throwing money at the stage saying, you're beautiful. Yay. We were so excited to see them. Because what we would move like in the studio, just amongst ourselves, we could then go to a club, and it was very different energy. It was very different. But um, you could tell when a woman was, like, super self-realized in her movement. Like, you could just Mm -hmm. see it. So, again, if you go to a strip club, you can see a spectrum. There are five layers of sexuality, which I won't get into today. We can do that as another topic. But um, they start at the first Yeah, write that
1: one down. I want want to definitely hear about that. Yeah. Okay.
4: The first one is flatline, and that is somebody who is completely cut off entirely from their sexuality. Now, you can actually go to a strip club and see a woman that is flatlined sexually dancing. And, and, and once you know about these layers, um, these levels of sexuality um Uh it's interesting to watch and you can see okay so then the other end of the spectrum is a soulful soulful expression and um that is a woman that is so embodied in her love of herself and her body so comfortable apologetic so that she can she's nothing but a giver she literally gives from a place of not martyrdom not self-sacrifice, but from a place of, I want to share my joy and pleasure with you. And if you can receive it, I'm going to move towards you. And if you give me any weird energy, I couldn't care less. I'm walking the other way. And, and um, you can see that at a strip club too. And it's, it's fun to, fun to watch, but the men that go, the sober stripper, so sober stripper is somebody who doesn't need drugs or alcohol to strip. Who's literally making a conscious choice to share her naked body, the gift of that in a beautiful feminine way with men.
1: And, you have to um, have a naked body that's... worth sharing too. I mean, this, 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 there is a uh, there is a, mm-hmm. a qualification for this job.
4: Tell mm-hmm.
1: what is it? Well, i said in What's other words, if you're going to be a stripper, you know, you have to have a naked body that, that men are going to want to see. It's like you know, the old the old, the old oh. t- I got Marco on the on the line in. Uh, um,
4: <laughs> Does <laughs> uh, Mark like this <laughs> well, I want to
1: get the European. Well, I, so the Europeans have a different view of sex well, than I Americans. Well, I that, so.
4: that when the Netherlands especially, so they do the great sex ed program starting at five years old. That's so controversial right now, but it's not what people think it is. They are really – my um, Dutch friends, I feel like, have a handle on how do you raise kids to be healthy sexually. Um, okay. And that's a whole other topic also. But um, I believe in other countries, the strip club, unlike the U.S., it's, you know, it's, it's a fully different energy. It's a fully different thing because hmm. um, the men are maybe not as deprived, right? But the sober stripper – has this sharing. And, and I think men like all types of bodies. I'll be honest. I think there are men that like thicker bodies a hundred percent. She happens to be very petite uh, she wears no makeup, doesn't fix her hair at all. She looks like a, like a college girl. She is um, extremely authentic and, and she makes so much money. Um, but, but literally from a place of complete authenticity, she enjoys sitting and talking to the men. She enjoys seeing about their lives. She, she enjoys telling them the so beautiful things she, she sees about them.
1: She hangs mm-hmm. on the club after after dancing.
4: No, no, she sits at the tables, and if they want her to dance, she dances, and if they want to sit and talk, she's oh, this just there. Oh, like, uh,
1: this isn't like the pole stage thing. This is something different. This is yes, okay. it is.
4: It is. Oh, it is. But in a strip club, I guess we need a field trip. I wish we lived closer. But in a strip club, we'll work um, generally, the I can visit if and you again, want to go strip clubbing
1: I'm... and researching. You know, we'll call it research. <laughs> Yeah, I'm with uh, oh, Dr. Diana stunning. here on uh, Action Radio, and uh, we're doing research uh, on your strip club. Oh, yeah. Can we okay, write Ellie, off? come on we can in. Can okay, fine. This Watch out right? for, uh, you know, just don't piss Bubba off. Okay, can fine. All right. No problem. Okay, yeah, we'll be quiet. Can we write
4: this <laughs> off on, on our taxes? I think of course we can. We can, we can.
0: Business expense. I'm
4: learning about taxes now, now that I'm a single woman, a divorce day, and I have to learn all these things. Now, yeah. now in my mind is like, oh, remember, what can I write C. off? Just <laughs> remember,
1: schedules, reading instructions. That's what I do. You know, read oh, read, read, read what's like deductible. Yeah. But don't get an account because <laughs> that's accountants are so masculine. Uh, are too I hate scared. it. I just
0: what? want what to is? hand it. To,
4: I don't know all the tax stuff. I just, I have a good dear friend that actually. Oh, come um, on. You
1: can read instructions.
4: He, he He's helping me with this stuff. I'm so grateful oh, Okay, fine. Because,
1: uh, masculine. Listen to you. How do I, I do care. it? It must be masculine. I've... Okay, fine.
4: No, that's not. <laughs> it is. It's money. It's money.
1: Money's it's not hooked. masculine. Well, you don't think women want money? Can... Oh, please. Give me a break.
4: Hold on this is a different topic, but I can, I can own, I have masculine energy for sure in certain Uh ways. Like I can, I can get all my kids dressed out the door at a certain time with all the things they need to the Uh class. I can tell the teacher what we need today. I can pay her. That's very masculine, you know, that kind of activity. But there's some Uh things I'm just, it's not my forte, and that's okay. And mm-hmm. um, managing money and managing money Wait and minute, you is know, more of a I, masculine I, energy, and that's okay. We can we can claim that energy. Some women can be really good at it, but yeah.
1: Um, Listen, I have a friend who's a real okay, estate so agent, and and yeah. most mm-hmm. of the women, uh, most of the real estate agents are women. You know, figure that one out. Speaking of money,
4: yeah, because how social is it? Oh my gosh, are you kidding? We're going to talk about your nest. What kind of nest do you want? Uh, let's go look at all these nests. Um, oh, I'll tell sense. you, my, my real estate agent um, does both. She is so grounded in her both feminine and masculine energy. I can't mm-hmm. say enough about her. She, w- she knows the nest I want. She knows what I'm looking for. She is a homemaker. She had her own kids, yet she is a shark with negotiation. Oh, my goodness. And, like, the bullet-pointed list of what needs to be done and who do I call, I mean, mm-hmm. that is an example of a person who, who can access both healthy feminine and healthy masculine really, really well
0: mm-hmm. and um, be
4: very successful, which is really the goal. Okay. So back to strip clubs though. So, um, cause I think that's a really fun topic, but, um, it is. So a lot of men go there for that connection. Right. They're not they're like this erotic dance. They want to see a woman claiming her feminine sexuality without shame, unabashedly being totally so... free. Men crave freedom. Men crave freedom and well, we've they're talked drawn about that. To, yes, they're drawn to that because here's a woman being fully quote free. Now, at least presenting is fully, fully quote, you know, fully free, right? Presenting, but um,
0: yeah, yes, don't take strippers, so guys.
4: Doesn't of, work.
1: <laughs> I, I, I've heard the horror stars. Yeah, she really loves me. No, she doesn't. <laughs> don't be an idiot. Uh, but here's well, the question. Well, she about, might.
4: But here's the problem: if a woman hmm. is choosing that career, you mm-hmm. have to be very careful because it is really not a natural thing for a woman to seduce, to, to try super hard, to be really sexual, to seduce men. So that's kind of the opposite of the way nature works, right? So peacocks, look at peacocks, look at right? So the male Yeah, nature is the, is the
1: guys that have all yeah. the the dramatic mm-hmm. colors and uh, Showing, the guys also trying, battle each yeah. other, too.
0: Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, the, yeah it's so when like, you're at dating me.
4: a stripper, yeah, so if you're dating a stripper, just know that the likelihood that she has a lot of off-beliefs. Off like maybe (laughs) this is true, not all of them again, but, but that they end up in that victimization place um, because of some beliefs that aren't necessarily healthy about what they have to offer men, you know, what their worth is. Um, Mm -hmm. It's very imbalanced. Like they tend it tends to be more of a masculine energy. This, this I'm going to seduce you, um, and get, try to buy for your attention, right? No, I, think, I think
1: if a woman's seducing a guy, it's definitely feminine energy because a woman's not going to seduce mm. a guy with masculine energy. It's not going to work. Um, but here's my question, though. The, the, the men that are We can
4: differ the... on that one. Different topic. Of course. We can
1: differ <laughs> on anything. I don't care. Um, but here's the thing, too, that the men that are in strip clubs, you said they're there for a woman that is free, that has her sexuality, that has that feminine energy. What about the, How many of these guys are married or have girlfriends? Because I'm wondering, well, the women they're not in their getting lives... Any Exactly.
4: They're one not getting their needs met, or two, they are addictive. They have addictive behavior, oh, and, and, okay. and they have a, they have what I, I'm not. Allowed to in talk about Masculinity, but they have a masculine energy that's off, that's wounded a little bit. So there's, um, it is natural for men to want to see a lot of women and have variety, um, mm-hmm. but that's a true. really healthy, strong masculine has boundaries, has morals, and has an agreement with his woman that he honors. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but so. it,
1: but doesn't the woman have to have an agreement with the man too? In other words, they, they, it's a mutual thing. So in other words, the guy will say, "I'm not going to, I'm not going to look at other women, I'm not going to date other women. I'm, you you know, this is a monogamous relationship." But the part of the agreement is that it's going to be a relationship, that there's going to be the the love and the freedom and the the expression and the the play and all the other stuff within the relationship. So I think the problem mm-hmm. happens when you have a relationship boundary, and one or both partners are not doing their role in the relationship of course. so people Agreed. seek something outside the relationship when the real problem is the relationship so you can't men
4: are lonely. you know get men are lonely yeah. they want to yeah. be sexually fulfilled they want to penetrate their woman and feel that their woman receives them happily yes and that woman want to be penetrated emotion- by their man so emotionally and physically and if, if some things aren't in place and mm-hmm. he feels trapped and he feels mm-hmm. lonely listen, he has to survive. So going to a strip club might be one of his survival tools to try to hmm. get some sort of feeling of that feminine energy that's receptive and that wants him and that appreciates him, right? So again, now you're talking about the relationship contract. Now we, we, we have right. a breach or a lack of a relationship contract. We have two a couple that entered relationship wounded or, hmm. um, or, or made mistakes along the way and they didn't have regular check-ins. And now we have you know, probably two miserable people. If one if one is unhappy going to strip clubs to get his needs met, I, my guess is the
0: other one isn't too
1: fulfilled Those either. Not happy so to, yeah, so so <laughs> it's like they, they, they whatever got them together. You know, they they they've lost that love and feeling. You know, for lack of a better yeah. term. You know, it's like right. one person gets unattractive, one person gets fat, one person picks up an addiction, one person loses all the money. One you know, I mean, there's all these things that can happen. But somehow whatever got them together, it's like do do people give up after marriage? I mean, I remember talking to a friend of mine in Finland one touring Europe the the marriage trap you know what's that that's when uh, as soon as you get married you know he was talking from a guy point of view that the woman totally loses it you know dresses badly gets fat but they're married so they're stuck in Finland I guess they have rougher divorce laws, Um, but that you can't, if the marriage, the contract, and this is why I really like your relationship contract, something I never thought of, but it's so important that you have to maintain the contract. You have to be, I mean, obviously you're going to change and grow and things are going to happen. You're going to get older, gray hair, the whole bit, but that doesn't mean that you change being attractive, your inner soul. If you, if you cease to want to be attractive to your other person, that's where the problems come in and the strip clubs and everything else. What do you think?
4: I would I would say I agree that it's multifactorial. Yes. Okay. I, I, and I think, if, well, my friend, she's a sober stripper, would probably be a great, a great little a person to talk to also. But um, mm-hmm. men come in for different reasons. And the men that mm-hmm. are married or in committed relationships and the woman doesn't know, I mean, obviously that relationship is not going to go well. It's not going to end well because it is a form of cheating. It's 100% for a woman, 100% a form of cheating, 100%. Women need okay. to feel beautiful, attended to. Um, if there's a committed relationship and they're not agreeing to sharing, uh, you know, that to me, it, it's like it's, it's definitely cheating. And um, yeah. I, hopefully before it gets to that stage, they can talk about it. And, I mean, you know, everything comes down to communication, as we talked about for how long now, Greg, you know? great yep. communication and, and agreements and honoring agreements and having healthy boundaries with each other. Um,
1: yeah. yeah, but you can't hold somebody to a contract uh, saying, you can't look at anybody else, you can't date anybody else. You know, that's, that's the basic, you know, monogamous <sighs> contract if that person is not, uh-huh. you know, being the attractive person that they were. So in other words, if they cease being who they were, so say the say the That's woman you know, the get, yeah. gains fifty pounds and and, and and dresses horribly and totally loses all self respect for her or just figures I don't have to do anything anymore. I'm married. I don't care. You know, the it's and the guy, selfish. You know, that yeah. is extremely selfish. It's but extremely this is where I selfish. See, right? um, it's
4: extremely either ignorant or selfish or both. And uh-huh. um, look, if you have some sort of thyroid problem, if you we expect both members of couples, yes. Yeah, we expect once you commit, you commit, but you also commit to honoring your partner. And, mm-hmm. and I honor the masculine's need for visual pleasure. And mm-hmm. I'll tell and you what. And we appreciate the healthy that, too.
0: Feminine,
4: yes. Yeah. And the healthy yeah. feminine actually loves um, being beautiful. And, and whatever mm-hmm. that means, that means exercising, having beautiful lotions on your skin so it's soft you know, conditioning your hair, sure. maybe having longer longer hair that's on your shoulders, if, if that works for you. Um, yeah. Yeah. The healthy feminine enjoys um, having a healthy body and feeling amazing and eating healthy foods and all that equals um, usually a, a physically attractive body. It doesn't have to be a bunch of makeup or hair extensions, just bright eyes, clean teeth a beautiful smile well, and clear energy skin, and emotion, right?
1: too, makes – women are really mm-hmm. attracted by their attitudes, their energy, their emotion, everything else. It's not just physical. Yeah. It's not with me. And um, all of but, that is but, that when you
4: take care of yourself as a woman, it right. all comes together, you know? Yeah. Um, I, I you mean, you prioritize your self-care. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah. I think guys are happy to say, you know, I will look at you only if, you're, if you give me something to look at. <laughs> you know, in other words, if you're the person that I want to be, the, 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 to look at only. You know, especially if you start off in a good place that, uh, you know, whatever the initial attraction is. Well, this is fascinating. Okay.
4: Isn't it fascinating? And yeah. so um, I so think there's it's a lovely though. gift for a woman to <laughs> give herself to um, If you're on your route to self-care and you're trying to give more yourself more of that wonderful feminine energy that that just magnetizes all the things you want in life and, and men can see it and they feel picked up by it and it increases their testosterone when you walk through the grocery store and they look at you. And if you want all of that for yourself, a lovely practice to begin doing mm-hmm. <laughs> is um, – getting away from the mirrors, maybe in your bedroom or somewhere, and just turning on amazing music and beginning to move your body, like really pushing through your hips and and really lifting your chest and just practicing that sort of slow um, dance to music you love and just really getting into your body. And you'd be amazed at the end of even one song how much it increases a woman's wonderful energy and and, um, excitement. And even just a practice of doing one song a day I think Mama Gina calls it. I can't remember what she calls it. I love Mama Gina. She's the um, Feminine School of Womanly Arts up in New York. Mm-hmm. Uh, she has a word for that. Um, I can't remember what it's called, but, but just putting on the music and just going for it. In she factor, does so much more the positive. Riot, you know.
1: You know, mm-hmm. it's, I think the positive is so much more powerful because, you know, you hear, you know, because I have women friends that tell me what women say to each other. He's not this. He's not that. He's not paying enough attention to me. He doesn't right. do this. He doesn't spend any money on me anymore. He doesn't take me anywhere. I'm like, well, um, what are not? you doing?
0: So that's the negative.
1: <laughs> that's the negative way of looking at it. So the positive way of looking at it is, yeah. is what you're doing say, saying, look, I want to be more attractive to, to my dude. You know, teach me how to dance better. I want to do this. I want to try this. This, you know, I'll turn this guy on and, and make him the way he was twenty years ago. You know, so so I'm gonna so you say can look this at. On that. Does that make sense? I'm going
4: to say this on that. Yes, it does. But I want to add one thing. A little caveat here. When a woman does it for the purpose of turning him on,
0: mm-hmm. I'm going to
4: just share this, and you might disagree, and that's okay. That we'll find out. not the most that isn't the most seductive energy. That isn't actually the most seductive thing.
0: Mm-hmm.
4: When a woman does it for the purpose of turning herself on and Mm -hmm. actually loving herself and getting excited and then ignores, just doesn't even care what anyone else thinks just literally is so turned on by herself that will seduce him. She doesn't have to try. She doesn't have to look at him and say, Hey, I'm going to give you a lap dance.
0: She literally
4: (laughs) can just walk into the room in her body that feels good. And that's moving in the way she loves and just, and he will be like riveted. And he'll want some of that. And then he'll be like, sense. well, how do I get some of that? And she'll be like, well, I'm busy. I'm going out to yoga. Sorry, babe. And he'll be like, shit, I got to get her attention back. Let me <laughs> get
0: her some flowers. No, and no, no. Well, uh,
1: another wimpy guy who will cowtow and say, oh, I got to get this woman. I got to get. So the strong guy will say, well, like, I'm going to do my thing. And if you find me attractive, then, you know, I'm going to go fly my jet. Yeah,
4: that's actually a jet? not the masculine. I'm sorry. That's actually Which one? Not. That's not the
1: strong
0: Oh, really? Guy.
4: That's not the, huh. the strong guy does not do that. Nope. Really? So the strong that's guy loves that idea of. Of now, the, the healthy masculine likes to win. The healthy masculine likes to pursue, whether it's money, the next thing, the next airplane, the next whatever it is, and he That's wants to pursue. The he uh-huh. gets turned on and turned up by the idea that, hey, I just got a chubber and she's walking out the door to yoga, you know, whatever, and um, and she's so happy and she's not ignoring me. She's like, babe, can I make uh-huh. you a cup of tea? But I really got to run. She's not ignoring him. She's just super happy. And then he starts to think, oh, what can I do? What can I do? What can I do? And then he starts, and this actually is really good for his excitement energy. It's really Uh good. He's like, now he's got something to like work towards and he's like, I'm going to get laid tonight. This woman, let me just make it happen. And, um, and then he does the things that she loves and she's like, Oh my God, he's telling me how pretty I am. He just brought me some flowers. Oh my gosh. And now she's starting to get all lubed up down there. Right. Cause then mm-hmm. her heart's being met, her feminine heart's being spoken to. And she's mm-hmm. like, Oh, that's what I like. That's what I like. That kind of attention. And before you know it, they're having a hot night, but it didn't yeah. come from her giving him a lap dance. It came from her being like, feeling amazing, being super sweet, and just feeling amazing in and of herself, right? And so that's why. I but it works for both, Ron too. They both have to feel mirrored.
1: amazing. Yeah, see, the guy has to feel amazing, too. I, I absolutely but believe it. he feels
4: amazing yes. for different – the masculine feels amazing for different reasons. They're not uh-huh. the same. Women and men are not no, the same. No, I'm not saying they're the same.
1: But yeah. I, but I, th- I think, we, I think uh, uh, even culturally, society, we sort of downplay the, the male part in this, that the, the males are assumed yeah, to be on they automatic like pilot that we'll, that we'll take sex, you know, whenever, however. And I think there's a lot more to it than that. I think some guys feel pressured just, to uh, uh, Yes,
4: that. but I said she's warm and friendly. She's, she's, not, she's mm-hmm. not happy in ignoring him. She's not being a bitch. She's, mm-hmm. She is giving him – okay. Mm-mm. Mm-mm. How do I say that? Okay. If you have a great in fact, hold on. I had this conversation last night on Zoom. I did a Zoom class last night with a group of ladies and we check mm-hmm. in with each other and I have, a, I have one client who's in a really healthy fun marriage and of mm-hmm. abundance and mm-hmm. self-care. They're both super hot, super sweet, super successful. They love each other and I loved hearing her talk about this. She explained how because she's just now learning to do exotic dance. She's one of my clients mm-hmm. and she's doing it you know, for, for, um, for fun and for
1: age, we're talking about age and, wise. I'm just curious. Ballpark.
4: Oh, I don't 30s, know. 40s, 50s. I'm guessing late thirties. I'm guessing late thirties. Okay. Like you a okay. teacher, like, I mean, beautiful woman. Okay. All my women are beautiful. But, um, so what the point I'm making is she said she practiced some of the, cause I was like, well, did anyone, you know, work this week? Did anyone do any of the moves? Did anyone play with the moves while you're vacuuming or, you know, <laughs> um, just moving moving through your house because what, what I teach you can take everywhere with you. But um, she said I actually did. I was so excited, and I started doing the routine. Um, so I teach them a little routine at first um, before they learn to free dance. She said I started doing it for my husband, and he seemed really distracted, and I didn't like his reaction, and and I actually didn't sit well with me.
0: What do you mean now, distra- Greg, there was,
4: Wasn't distracted on. the point? <laughs> This Sorry. well, not paying attention in the way she wanted, and this is a woman who's done her work. So I want to clarify that a lot of okay. women would not be able to even handle this and, and know what to do, but she did, and that's mm-hmm. why I love this group I have. They're very evolved. But um, so she explained that she's dancing for him, and he, he's not getting it. Like he's not the reaction she wanted, because the women love no. the appreciated scene. They wanted, they want, you know, their man to like really appreciate them physically. Um, Mm -hmm. she wasn't getting it, even though she's trying really hard and doing this exotic dance, essentially. Uh. And so she let him know, she said, instead of storming off or being pissed off and giving him the cold shoulder, she, she communicated to him. Oh, wow. I'm really disappointed. I felt like that was going to be super fun for you and you're going to love it. And I feel like it didn't land well. And I'm, I'm kind of embarrassed. And I think my feelings might be hurt. And he, because they have a healthy relationship explained to her he was like, I'm so sorry. I didn't mean to make you feel that way. But we had that sort of argument a few days ago, and I feel like it's not settled yet. So I, I just feel disconnected from you, actually, like we haven't really resolved well, that. Oh, that's
1: interesting. Okay.
4: Yeah, isn't that wonderful? See, I told you. They See, literally... I told you guys
1: are more complex. Oh, you know, this is, that's that's, so that's yes. actually a fascinating yeah. reaction. That you, that we, you know that If a guy has an unresolved issue with the woman, he's not going to be attracted to her no matter what. She dances the seven veils in front of him. So this yes. can, this is what I was getting to earlier that it really is a Isn't is a mutual awesome? thing and I think I think that guys get sort of shortchanged when it comes to analyzing this so that we're not as deep we're not as complex we're not as no, you know emotionally leveled as fragile. women yes. and that's not true no, it, no men pre- are fragile. but
4: it's fully different it's fully different than women mm-hmm. they're both we're both fragile meaning we both okay. have needs we're not just automate automatic robots we 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 okay. have but they're different needs you know and, and so for women to really understand men. And vice versa is crucial. So this woman was like touched. Now she's more touched. She's like, oh, 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 I see. Oh my gosh. And she almost felt like, I can't believe how insensitive I was. You're right. I was all excited about my new movement practice and my group of girlfriends and my thing. But here you are in relationship, not feeling connected. And I'm like. With
1: unresolved issues from previous discussion. Yeah, that's fascinating.
4: Yeah. So they sat and had this talk and they, and they figured it out and they came to resolution. And then. She's have like, great can sex? I, she said, can I show you again? And <laughs> he's all happy now. And they're kind of goofy together. And she's, she, you know, she moved even better. She said it felt, it felt even better in her body. Like she like like turned it up times 10. And oh, um, oh, yes, okay. they had a very good evening. <laughs> well,
1: there you go. See, it works.
4: It's wonderful. Yeah. yeah. So nice. I love it. So, yeah. Mm, I'm I, glad they I talked. Yep. Yeah, me too.
0: Yeah. So much yeah, because conflict.
4: a lot of women would have been like, they
1: would have jealous, gone to their girlfriends. Um, that, they would have complained at lunch and said, you know, my guy doesn't like this, this, and this. So we got to get the we got to put the And I'm ugly. Of the negative.
4: And going, so I'm ugly. He does not attracted to me. What's wrong with me? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, big yeah. old downward negative spiral.
1: No. Get all that stuff. I got a. This might be for another show, but I've, I've sort of uh, got a curiosity. Um, the repression, especially of Muslim women. And and Mm. I don't know how much you know about this, but why is it you know the whole burqa thing? You know they take everything that makes women attractive and tries to get rid of it, and then they treat women as second class Uh, citizens. Is there just
4: the Judeo? This is all the Judeo Christian result of this.
1: Of this. No, no, we're talking. I'm talking Islam here, not Judeo or Christian.
4: But it's it came about like it's the same. It's the same history. It came about after the agricultural revolution and those and the sort of evolving from these gods being. Well, why is it still here today
1: then? You know why, why why did the taliban take over afghanistan and put and destroy the, the universities and all the schools for women and uh, all the equal stuff you know i mean uh, obviously it's not cultural there but I mean, if, why? You,
4: if you if you completely uh-huh. um humiliate and squash the feminine you own uh-huh. humans you will own humans humans will be completely owned they will have no um uh-huh. magical wonderful spiritual energy period they You will have very little access to the divine. That is my take on that. That is intentional. It doesn't come from – there's so many layers to that we can peel. We can say it's this leader who did it. It's it's, it's a structure like you understand about the masks, right? So my Uh friend who's from, whose family is from Iran, and they they came over 40 years ago. She was a child. Um, Uh When the masks started happening, she went into full panic mode, and she said, I know this. I know this. I remember this. They're saying the same things about the mask that they told us about the um, the coverings, the hijab. The, oh, the burkas. I don't know what yeah. it, what what is it in Iran? Is it hijab? I don't I don't know. But
1: um, oh, hijab! Yeah, that's the scarf. I think that's a little different. I think the burqa is like the whole costume. Uh, well, it's all the, the same scarf.
4: animal, right?
1: It's the same problem. The same yeah, same in other words, you're covering up. Yeah. So the mask. Well, so I what saw. She I, said, go ahead. She uh-huh.
4: said, "This is so familiar to me." She was loud about this. And um, she's a hypnotherapist, a yogi, a beautiful person. She's the Mm -hmm. kind of person that the media would have said is what, okay, she's the kind of person that everyone would say, oh, my God, she's one of the kindest people ever. But the media would call her someone who doesn't care if grannies die. But she was saying, no, this is what they do when they're starting to take over. They use the same slogans. They use the same just for two weeks. It's temporary. It's for your (laughs) safety. All the Mm -hmm. things they told women 40 years ago. And she said her family, thankfully, her parents, saw these worn, they were history buffs. They knew about the history of like countries that went under by a dictator and went into- and they got out. And the rest of the family was like, don't leave. It's temporary. It's fine. And here they are 40 years later still wearing them. And so for me, it's the same flavor. It's the same beast. There is some Did people at the top that are, no, maybe three times. I think I, on an airplane, I was the one that got called out by the flight attendant over the speaker, <laughs> shamed, shamed. <laughs> Same, same, um, I also, I, I can tell you so many good airplane stories um, of success and how I feel like I moved people just from, um, but yeah, so I, I continued to fly. We continued to travel. I, I had done the research in the first month or two on masks. I did all the research. I spent hours and hours. I said, okay, I know what we're doing to protect ourselves from whatever mm-hmm. bioengineered virus this is. But um, I, I believe it's the same. The covering of the face, it, it, it's applied psychology on a very high level. And it's designed to control the population. And when you and you promote rape culture and you promote um, yeah. making their bodies shameful and um, taking away everything that's beautiful and feminine, now you control the society completely. Mm-hmm. You lower the vibrational well, the, uh,
1: energy. That goes with what's happening. Mm-hmm. I mean, Marxists, the, the the totalitarians, they always do the same things: to get rid of God, to get rid of the family. They get rid of any any allegiance to your country, any nationalism, Uh, and now they're taking you know male and female and 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 eliminating that. So people are not either male or female; they're it's either interchangeable or fluid. And this is why the the whole trans thing is so dangerous. Because the
4: polarity is powerful. The polarity of the masculine and feminine feminine is extremely powerful.
1: Yeah. Well, masculine is extremely powerful too. You know, I mean, the the agrarian societies. Yes. Yeah, but but we need both. You know, this is why you and I have such great discussions on the show. You know, because of who we are, because of our energy, which is really strong in both of us, which is which is really exciting to be able to talk about these things in in an open way. And everybody else listening. Wow, it's kind of cool what they said. You know, I think that that's to me, this is just to be able to have this discussion, whether anybody else is listening or not is incredible. But anyway, um, but these. Yeah. When
4: when the masculine is left to be masculine and do its masculine thing, mm -hmm. there's no stopping humanity when the feminine is left to do the feminine thing and go deeply into that energy and those, those acts that they do best, again, extremely powerful. And, and the two together, the polarity is, is, is like uh, just the the best goal, you know?
1: It's magic. And so if you dilute that, if you take Uh that
4: away, if Mm -hmm. you, if you reduce both men and women, if you, you know, castrate men and shame women and, um, and then also blend them, try to, try to reduce the polarity mm-hmm. that's, there's our power gone. Yeah.
1: Everything in this world is binary. I mean, you know, this is non-binary, crap mm-hmm. is nonsense. There's always, there's Isn't positive and negative, there's male and female, there's earth and sky. You look anywhere in this world, it's all polarity.
0: It's all yeah, about yeah. Uh,
1: opposites and attraction. And it's the, the, uh-huh. the difference between the opposite and the attraction that makes everything work. You look at electrons and protons, you know, they're, they're oppositely charged, but that holds the universe together. You know, so so male and female, it's critical for us to be equal, to recognize each other as different and to maintain our individuality. And if we do those three things, I just thought of that just now, you know, but that's that's what that's what works. That's why our conversations work, because Mm -hmm. you and I both do that respect individuality we talk over each other probably too much, probably me, (laughs) you know, but other than that, you know, we have some amazing, I think we're doing some amazing work here and it's quite fascinating. I just want to hear more of your women on the show and this particular hour, I know we don't get a lot of callers, uh, like our regular callers. I'd rather have new callers for this particular hour, especially women you work with who might want to come on guys who are curious. I want to open up this hour for, for, for more different stuff. Well, uh, I I had
4: a friend that was going to call in. She, she works on, um,
0: Mm
4: -hmm. she works with, uh, women's um, myofascial pelvic release for fertility. And it's really interesting
0: because mm. we were
4: talking. We do mostly. She has seven children. We were mostly. We I mean, do mostly uh, texting with each other because we're both pretty busy. But um, she's like, "Oh, that's such a great topic." Because I was talking about today is the origins of erotic dance and uh-huh. why it really it comes down to sexuality and spirituality and the intersectionality of those things and how yep. extremely powerful that is. And how that's mm-hmm. been taken away. And um, need she, get
0: back. Yeah, she get works back.
4: with fertility. And, and so she, she works physically with women in their pelvic areas, but most of it's energetic. So most of it oh. is psychological trauma release energetic, um, where the fertility is actually being blocked by, um, by old trauma and, and, and psychology and, and all this. I mean, some of it's physical. And so to hear her talk about that was interesting. But um, yeah, so I think your shadow band on Facebook and my 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 main presence is on Facebook. And so that's one reason we might not get callers. And um, my friends. Oh, I'm completely love shadow- You have to do.
1: But they're you usually should do listening at work. <laughs> I'm sorry. Go
0: ahead. Say that again. My
4: friends are usually listening listening at work. I, have, I or they're homes they homeschooling. Um, <laughs> I draw so these not everyone can call in, but. Yeah, uh, we well, usually talk on the text. phone past ten o'clock at night.
1: <laughs> yeah, they can text. Um, they can do live chat, um, but also, or they can give you stuff ahead of time. I will tell you what, just to try and experiment, uh, you should do independent memes for the show. Um, you should mm-hmm. do uh, something. Uh, I don't know because I am so I'm, I'm beyond shadow banned. I'm, I'm almost totally banned uh, just yeah, because of the things that sure. we talk about here. Well, you think about it, the deep. Who's the greatest enemy of the deep I have other friends state? like that too. Yeah, I have some oh, friends
4: have yeah. had to make several different identities on Facebook because they get shadow banned so quickly because they're really revealing truth.
1: Mm-hmm. Um, well, I want them on the show too. You know. <laughs> I don't care what their topic. I mean, just just anybody who's revealing oh. truth needs to be on. Yeah, so there's yeah, your you would yeah, love Lori. It
4: Let me text her right now.
1: Okay. My weeks
4: get so busy, I, I forget. I know. <laughs> um, Okay. I forget, but, but she's, you would love her. Oh, she's very well connected to. Mm-hmm.
1: Oh, good. Well, see, here's the thing. I'm, I'm not going to in, do an independent personality on Facebook. I'm not going to play their game. I'm going to be who I am. But what I want to do is get folks like you know, Newt Gingrich and uh, Donald Trump uh, and Robert Kennedy talking about us. You know, that's how I want to do it. I want the public figures to come out and say, hey, we discovered uh, a citizen legislator where people can actually write the laws they consent to be governed by. What a shock. You know, and so if you're a deep state person that wants to control people, I'm your worst enemy because I'm going to be inspiring millions of people across this country and across the world. we are we doing it? Across, not millions yet, but we're inspiring people literally across the world. I've got listeners in Armenia. I've got listeners in Cuba. I've got Belarus. I've got uh, South Korea, Argentina, New Zealand, Solomon Islands. We have someone listening or maybe a couple of folks. We're in, uh, the, the, mm. but the fact that we're in, in, in Cuba fascinates me. That's only happened the last couple of months. How do we get in Cuba? How are they still alive? You know, I love it. Great. Cuba. Cuba.
0: You
1: know, good luck. <laughs> you know, but uh, I don't know. The, this concept is fascinating. You know, we have an Australian Bill of Individual Rights. How did that happen? And I'm reaching halfway across the world, writing, uh, writing a brand new Bill of Rights for an entire nation. The things that, are, that can come from this show are unbelievable. And I think, like yeah. I say, the deep, you know, the deep state... The idea that once people get the idea that they can start literally writing their own laws, that it's not a magic kingdom, that you don't need the golden key, that's really pretty simple. That once I, you know, And I found this out myself. I was shocked. I was probably as shocked as anybody to find out just how simple it is to make huge changes in law. You know, And like our vaccine product liability bill, it basically changes shall not be liable to shall be fully liable. What's that, two words?
0: Mm-hmm. And I have
1: to two, I do it in two places in law. I changed two words in two places in law. They're the same two words. And all of a sudden, those vaccines are going to – Pfizer will be fully responsible for everything they put on the market. That
4: I love is it. the power yeah.
1: of what we're talking about here. Very
4: powerful. One person very, can Very masculine, Everyone it, should try. Isn't,
1: isn't this masculine?
0: I'm sorry. I, just, <laughs> I think
4: so. I think it's wonderful.
0: I had to throw it. I, in. Yeah. It's
4: my I'm, a, I'm effort, a masculine kind of guy. So I need to check out. Okay, um, that's fine.
0: Contact I to sign out. I've
4: got people waiting for no. me. Uh, Dorothy, yep. Diana me for... Mm-hmm. Dorothy Diana on Facebook. Dorothy Diana on Facebook. I'm also on Instagram. I teach locally. I do phone calls. And, um, yeah, just check it out. This is one of my favorite parts of the week. I love being here.
1: I love having you I here. talk about and, and
4: all the time. Try thing. an
1: independent posting. Try posting not from my show because I'm banned. But try po- they don't even let my picture on anymore. <laughs> That's how bad it is. Um, but uh, just try your own posting. You know, you've got our, our website, blogtalkradio.com slash citizenaction. Uh, or if you get the exact link, just copy the exact link. You can put it right into the meme. Maybe that won't work. I don't know. Try some things. Let me know what works. i would be curious. But anyway, have a good week, Dorothy. I'll talk to you next week.
4: All right. You too. Thanks, Greg. Anytime. Bye bye.
1: Bye now. So this has been an incredible day, everybody. I, I, I love I love Mondays. Mondays are just awesome here because uh, you know, like I say, we've got uh, brand new uh, uh, topics introducing the the whole market price economic system that's the free market that's a free economic system as opposed to the communist, you know, income-based income system. Uh, we had Jonathan the second hour talking about all the, the different laws and the, the expressions of those. Uh, and Dorothy, you know, sex and relationships. It doesn't, you know, or sex and sensuality. I mean, I, what could be, our Mondays are like golden around here. Anyway, so the main website for the show, blogtalkradio.com slash citizen action. Our legislative site is writeyourlaws.com, W-R-I-T-E. Y-O-U-R-L-A-W-S. Uh, my substack, gregpengloss.substack.com uh, Our contribution site, givesendgo.com slash actionradio. Got a few things to play for you with, uh, as well as our closing uh, classical music piece. I'll be back tomorrow morning, 7 a.m. Central Time, just like always. This is Greg pengloss for Force, your source for pure energy. Strike Force is a concentrated energy drink, You can get your energy drink, a 20% discount, and help Action Radio change the relationship of we the people to our government. Not bad. Strikeforce is at StrikeForceEnergy.com. That's StrikeForceEnergy.com. Start your engines. Hello, this is Greg Penglis for our newest shooting range here in Milton, Florida. self-defense classes, concealed carry weapons classes, security license training, paintball, a full-service gun store, and 24-7 online ordering. So come on down or contact them by phone, email, or website, and learn how you can best stand your ground. Yeah, this is way too much fun today. All right, slight delay on this, but then it, here it is. Here it is.